So that's the framing for this. Um, we noted our conversations, man. This is not the first. This is not the only one we're going to have. It's going to be the first of several dialogues and interactions. So we're not trying to touch on everything um, in, in this conversation. We have a very clear center. Tomorrow's conversation will really push towards um, – you know, moving into the idea of how, where the, where the intersections and the unification points are for us as black nationalists, how we begin to support and, and, and build a, a, an umbrella that provides space for all of us, whether we have different views or not. So tonight, you know, I'm just, I'm just pleased to be here. I'm, I'm ready to get started. And I want you all to really give, you know, sometimes we get humble <laughs> in our introductions, but I want you all to really weigh in and talk about who you are and what you've done and why essentially people need to listen and heed to your voice as we engage this conversation. Several of you on the panel, I know, because you've been in and around Philadelphia, we've had the chance to either know of each other or work together. And some, uh, some of you I know outside of Philadelphia, I've seen you on either YouTube, other, other activities that we've had here in our city. I had a chance to build with several of you in other ways through other affiliations that I've had at a national level as well as an international level. And some of you I don't know. So I want you to take this opportunity to let the people who are listening to us right now know who you are. And as instructed, because I do follow instructions, I want to begin with Baba Sekou. So greetings and welcome to our summit. Assalamu alaikum greetings and peace. Power to the people and all the other greetings. Uh, as just been uh, mentioned, my name is Sekou Abdullah Dinga. I'm a former member of the Black Panther Party. I uh, participated in building the party here in New York, where I'm from. I'm also uh, one of the founding members of the international section of the Black Panther Party and a soldier of the Black Liberation Army. I've spent 33 years behind bars as a political prisoner of war for my struggles in the Black Liberation Army. I've been accused of and except the the uh, if it's a crime, if I accept it, uh, I don't consider it a crime, but uh, I guess it, it was against the folks, these people's laws that uh, I went into prisons and helped bring the sister Asada Shakur out, which is one of the reasons I spent the time I did it behind the bars. Uh, I have, I don't know, some of the questions I'm not really uh, clear about how, uh, what they really are, but I will say that today, People are talking more about reform than they're talking about uh, revolution or nation building. We, uh, even the uh, the the so-called nationalists, black nationalists. I, uh, personally, I consider myself a black nationalist, but more than a black nationalist, I consider myself a black freedom fighter. I believe that, and when I talk about freedom. I have a specific uh, 
belief in what freedom is. I mean, we don't we talk about freedom and liberation, but we don't always talk about what that really looks like. What that does that mean? I heard the brother mention the the Republic of New Africa a little earlier, and I kind of ascribe to that that position of land and independence that we have to separate from these vicious white supremacists here in America that they call this a democracy that has never been uh, has never worked for us as the black as black people i think we have to separate and uh, create a nation for ourselves by any means necessary as you said earlier and so that's basically where i'm coming from so i think that before we could have a revolution that Builds a independent black nation. I think we have to have some sort of some sort of cultural revolution to decide who we are. We don't talk about we talk about we're black people, we're Negroes, we're New Africans, we're African Americans, we're Nubians, we're we're all these different uh, 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 names of who we are and what we are. I think that at some point we have to get a majority a majority agreement on who we are to recognize that we are a people. We are a nation, a, a colonial nation of people colonized here in another land that we we were we were not native of, but have become native of because of our history and the list of time and, and the struggles that we've been through. So if we're going to be free as a people, we have to first recognize that we are a people. And so that that's kind of where uh, where I step into this conversation at. So I guess my two minutes are up. And I- <laughs> Thank you, Bob, for that introduction. So what I want to do is I'm going to ask uh, everybody, if you can, if you're part of the panel, please, and if you're on the screen, essentially, please show um, your video so that we can engage each other uh, directly and so that our viewers get a, a good look at us um, and who they're talking with. Um, and so I'm going to also make a special request to Brother Omar Wally that is, you know, as a moderator, I don't want to necessarily end up being the person who has to do the timekeeping and be the bad guy and give people the cutoff signals. So I'm going to ask if you or you can designate somebody who can help in that space. Um, I greatly appreciate it, sir. Can I get an Ashe? You got me? Ashe, I'll, I'll message you privately if you if you get long-winded. Okay, I, I won't get along with no, it. Not you, not you. I'm speaking, <laughs> I'm speaking broadly to the panelists. If anybody gets along with it, I appreciate, I'm, I'm I appreciate that. And also, Brother Amawali, what I want you to do right now, because you have the list of people, and I, I want to do maybe if we can go brother, sister, brother, sister, uh, as much as possible. So can can you call out who you would like to introduce themselves next? And I guess that's a no. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the Philly side of things and call on Sister Lavinia. Who are you? What you okay. about? And how do you define uh, black power? Peace and love, everyone. Um, my name is Lavinia Davis. Um, I am a domestic violence counselor. I will say I have studied psychology and criminology for 
over 16 years. I've been a domestic violence counselor for over eight years. Um, I have served under Brother Omawale as the VP at the UNIA 121 division. Um, I'm currently a member of the Philly Peace Park. I serve as the director of mental health and wellness. I'm also a part of the Diasporic Black Nationalist Coalition. Um, and I'm just a grassroots organizer and activist. I try to get in where I fit in. Um, what was the other one? My idea of black power? Yeah, definitely. Um, my definition of black power is based off of, okay, I look at it two ways from an individual perspective and from a collective perspective. So you can have black power as an individual if you control how you eat, you control what you take in you, um, do for self, self-employment, have your own business, right? All of those things, that's how you instill the black power that's internal. But then we have the bigger picture, the collective picture, right? Which is external, which is me building nationalism with my brothers and sisters. That means being land-based, right? You have to be land-based. Once you're land-based, you can develop and cultivate your land. You have power. You have to change your relationships with others, right? You can't be afraid to exert your power. You can't be afraid to dominate when you need to, but you also have to have empathy, right? So you can't achieve black power without having an understanding and being willing to be militant when necessary, right? We know that nothing is attained peacefully, really, right? You don't want to go that way, but you also have to take your power. And that means starting on land. That means building with other people that are like you, but really getting into the community and building. If you don't build with the community, then you will never see black power. So. Thank you, my sister. Appreciate you. Let's go to Dr. Kim Shockley. Greetings. Hotep. Hotep. All right. I hope everybody's doing well. I'm Kevin Shockley, um, professor at Howard University and co-executive director of the Chi Institute. It's an institution that creates uh, educational materials for black children, and uh, we create documentaries that focus on uh, the black community. Our most recent material, education material, is African-centered education theory and practice. It's a book. Um and our most recent documentary is uh, on the world's first maroon group. That, that documentary is called For Humanity, Culture, Community, and Maroonage. It's available right now on YouTube. Take a look at what the brothers and sisters in the maroon village, in the world's first maroon village in Colombia, South America, are doing. I think I define black power as being the energy emanated by the creator ancestors and by those of us who are working to bring about a sovereign worldwide African community. Mm. Uh, what I've been doing to contribute to that is working as a community organizer in Cincinnati. Of course, I have my work as a professor and stuff, uh, working as a community organizer in DC and being active and engaged in organizations that are pro-African and are doing things for black children. My work as a professor of education relates to mostly black children. Um, so the nation building piece is important for me. Um, as mentioned earlier, we have produced a documentary focused on the world's first Maroons. My business partner and I studied the existing Maroons there and have produced articles that are available, children's book, documentary, which offers African-centered real life lessons for the African world. 
working with brothers and sisters such as Nick, uh, such as a sister Egun now, Nana Patricia Newton. I don't know if you all know her. Mm-hmm. Um, organized, uh, she's a uh, Egun now. She passed away about a month ago. So real big loss for the African community. Uh, organizing study tours and uh, things of that nature to Africa. We've been so far to Ghana, Egypt, Senegal, and Nigeria, um, and doing work on those uh, in those places that. Uh, I would call Pan-Africanist work, uh, including our recent partnership with the Sankofa Repatriation Assistance Program led by Sister Yah, who owns that organization, uh, and then organizing think tanks in in the Washington area, mainly at Howard University, and doing the kind of work that I think is important. In in 2008, I helped found a charter school uh, in Washington, D.C. It's not functioning at this time. It was an African-centered nationalist charter school that we were able to get off the ground. Uh, I'll tell you a story about why it's not existing anymore. You might find interesting one these days. So basically, um, the work I'm doing, you know, inside of my own family and in the broad sense of my family in the Washington, D.C. area, uh, and offering con- contributions that are about community activism, activism and being a part of the Pan-Africanist pan, uh, family and the African-centered nationalist family, uh, which is something that I do uh, every day is that and in mentoring people who are coming up, uh, who are younger, who are trying to make uh, make sense of this crazy white supremacist world that we live in. Greetings. Thank you. Let's go to Sister Natasha. And if I'm saying your name incorrectly, please correct me. <laughs> Thank you, Brother um, Tamari. Yes, my name is Natasha. Um Natasha Robert. Um, I'm based in Brooklyn. Um, I am an educator. I've been teaching uh, for, I don't know, almost over 10 years now. Um, and I also work specifically for Black children. Um, I work with making sure that like our history, African history, is incorporated into the history that they learn in school, as my background is as, as a social studies teacher. Um, I also do grassroots organizing um, with the Northeast Political Prisoners Coalition, where we help to um, raise money, raise awareness, and help pay for like uh, family fees or lawyer fees and different types of things that um, political prisoners, uh, members of the Black Panther Party, BLA part, BLA um, Army, uh, ha- are that are still imprisoned right now. So. I also do some work with, um, I've also done work with like December 12th movement around um, ethnic cleansing and all of that stuff that's going on with the displacement of African people out of their communities um, and also have done work with the UNIA um, here in Brooklyn. So um, kind of like everybody else here, you know, just doing the work where it needs to be done. Um, So as far as Black power, what do I see Black power as? I definitely see Black power as Um, Your ability to control your peace, your consciousness, your education, what you eat, where you live. So when you have power, you control all of those things. And so black power is black people being able to control the land on which they live in, the food that in which they eat, the schools that they have, the places that they live, where we are in control. And no matter what any other group of people around the world do or feel about us that it doesn't it doesn't impact us that way because we have the power to make sure that it doesn't Mm. so that's how i see um black power 
Appreciate you, and welcome to our dialogue and our conversation. Let's go to Brother Tommy. As you all can see, we have a very powerful array of people from a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different parts of the country. Shout out to Brother Omawali for bringing uh, such a strong representation together on two days, Friday and following up tomorrow on Saturday. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Brother Tommy. Appreciate you, Brother Shamar. Really quick, everybody's making good time on the intro. It's just let, let's try to keep them uh, to, uh, under two minutes if possible. But I'm, I'm definitely timing y'all. <laughs> okay. Well, well, peace be unto the organizers of this um, roundtable right here. It's really necessary. Salute, salute to the elders and salute to everyone, uh, the moderator, everyone on here. So real quick, my name is Brother Tommy, Tommy Joshua, Tommy Joshua Kason. Um, I like to think of myself as a son of the black movement in Philadelphia. You know what I'm saying? I'm from the South, um, but I grew up in North Philadelphia. When I was about 14, 15 years old, I went down looking for the revolutionaries. I went down to Hakeem's bookstore and I was taken under the wing. And then they sent me to Sister Bashima and Sister Bashima took me under her wing. So it was new African nationalists that brought me up. And in hindsight, I was a young Turk. I wanted to form new organizations. Um, I respected the old movements but I felt very strongly that like new times need new tactics, new perspectives. And I, I wanted us to also uh, avoid the uh, mistakes. So um, I'm a member of the North Philly Peace Park. That's a movement that um, I founded in North Philly. Now we also in West Philly, we also spreading across the, the city. Our whole thing is local black democratic revolution. Black people in the neighborhoods rise up, um, take over the land, take over the properties start to develop new institutions based on a new ideology and then defend this new political order and keep it moving, keep on advancing. And these little like new black maroons can be engines for the neighborhood. So that's my work. To answer the question about black power, um, it would kind of go along with with, what a lot of people said. Black power for me is black self-determination, is the ability for us to think for ourselves, to feel for ourselves, to act for ourselves, and to live for ourselves in the framework of a complex world. Um, another good point was raised by Brother Shamari. Is black power the same as black nationalism? I would say no, it's not. Black power can be revolutionary black power or it can be reactionary black power. When we think about neocolonialism in a lot of ways, that's kind of like a form of black power, but that's a black power that's controlled by white power. So it really truly is not power. So what we want, we want revolutionary black power. We want the ability to take a black decision to live in a black place, but only if this decision or this place is in the interest of the race or in the interest of the nation. So black power for me is certainly us being free, independent. And um, I, I appreciate what Baba Seku said. I'm that type of thinking too. I was a judge. In the five, yeah, five seconds, brother. Yeah. Tommy. Thank you, brother. <laughs> All right, let's go to, I have my order here, Sister Afia, greetings. Greetings, greetings. I'm going to turn my video on there. <laughs> this two-year-old on my hip, mommy duty, family hood, same nine. Um, greetings, everyone. I give thanks to everyone who has put this on and brought this together. Um, you have to be quiet, okay? Thank you. Um, so <laughs> um, for me, I've been doing this work. I'm based in Georgia and Atlanta, and I'm just coming off of our fifth annual African Sustainability Summit, Black Sustainability Summit. Yeah, shout out, shout out. 
And um, when we think about, I've, I've had the pleasure and honor of sitting at the feet of Nana Marimba Ani, Mama Nobantu Ankawanda, Baba Mwalimuk uh, Barudi, and Mama Ya, all of them. I could shout out all of the elders because it is, um, I'm standing in the, the shade of trees I didn't plant. And so I give honor and reverence to each of them and to all of our elders who have paved that way and have been continuing to carry that torch um, for what Black power looks like. I'm going to roll it all into who I am and what I do to make sure that I hit my time. Um, But when we look at it, I want to echo everything that's been said before me. Each of you all, yes, spot on. That is what Black power looks like. And um, as far as the work that we've been doing here with the Black Sustainability Network and Summit, it's been how do we bring our people together, not only here across the diaspora, but also on the continent. We've been bringing folks together virtually and in person um, to regain those skills. So we train each other up. We exchange that knowledge and wisdom, and we do so on a virtual platform and in person. So the skill sets that we need in order to be self-sufficient, growing our own foods, building our own homes, reclaiming that ancestral knowledge and wisdom that we have lost to a certain degree, that's what we're reclaiming and that's what we're reviving. And so when we look at Black Power, we talk about how do we actually get access to land? How do we avoid us losing the land? If you want to repatriate, who has programs that are already there? So we make sure that we have practical steps for self-sufficiency so that we can actually achieve sovereignty. And that is what Black Power is for me. Black Power is looking at the future. We have to be able to build, you know, (laughs) um, for these seven generations ahead of time and be very cognizant of our our actions as well and the impacts on the planet. So it's not just about what we're doing today, but what is it that we're going to do for our future and what skills are we going to reclaim? And so that's what I've been doing for the past eight years. So get Thank you. And shout out to you all for being years ahead of this kind of moment with these virtual summits and, and this type of conversation. And uh, your model showed people that this can happen. We don't have to start from zero to even have these kind of conversations. So I just want to big y'all up for that, man. Appreciate you all. <laughs> Give thanks, give thanks. Brother Oba. Brother Oba, I know I saw you up there. Please unmute. Yes, 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 yes. My bad, I had it on mute. Um, <laughs> Brother Shamori, it's always good to see you. How you doing? Uh, BB48, BB Toomey, uh, Kuji Tiwala, uh, Wukusu, Race First, everyone. I am Oba Olayinka. Um I serve as the program director for the African Independence Day uh, Mayotte celebration in Philadelphia. It takes place every first Saturday in the month of August at Malcolm X Park. I also am one of the hosts of the Sonic Ngoma, which can be heard and seen on Facebook as well as it uh, and YouTube, as well as uh, it can be heard on um, Do the Knowledge Radio. It comes on every Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. Hosted by myself, Brother Furu and Brother Kamur Huru. Um, to quickly answer the question of uh, what is Black power? Black power is the ability for Africans to define and to shape their own reality and destiny. Politically, socially, spiritually, economically, to be able to define and to um, 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 control their own reality, their own space, uh, um, their own um, 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 cultural norms, um, um, to be able to 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 define and and, and control their own destiny in each and every. Um, facet that is most important for any 
group of people to be able to do. So that's what black power is to me um, in, a, in a quick, you know, succinct definition. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. And I don't see her here, so I'm hoping she's in queue somewhere. Uh, Empress Filet, are you with us? Empress Filet? She's here. Uh, she has to turn on her camera and her uh, in her video and uh, her audio. Okay, she's not ready. I'll come back to her. Yeah, you can, you can hold come. a few more seconds, and then if not, I'll, I'll come back to her. Let's go to uh, Baba Imhotep. Peace, my brother. How you doing? Great yourself, brother. I can't complain. Peace and blessings to the entire panel. Um, black people, y'all look great. Um, I, I'm highly excited. Um, I'm not one to do a lot of talking, so I'll try to be real brief to answer these questions. So, who am I? I am Baba M. Hotep. I'm coming from Baltimore, Maryland. I'm the founder of PLM, Pan-African Liberation Movement. I have one principal concern, and that's sovereignty for African people throughout the world. Um, whatever I've been doing for the last 27 years, um, I started on this path in 1993. Whatever I've been doing, I've been engaging our people in an effort to raise their mentality and to overhaul their thinking. And by overhauling the thinking, I mean to um, introduce them to a thought process that would allow them to maximize who they are as black people. Um, I've built several organizations in the process. I got a nonprofit youth organization that focuses on children ages six to 12. We have a, a, a child care center that focuses on children ages six months to five years of age in all African center. Um, I've authored four books, currently working on my fifth book. Um, so I'll stop there. I don't want to keep talking about too much stuff. In terms of black power, this is what I would say in terms of black power. I think as Baba Seiko said, um, Medina said earlier, I think that the discussion has to get to a point where we are trying to understand black power um, along the line of basic, simple principles. And I think that we have to see it the same. We can't see it as being some individual because black power is a national question. So we have to understand it in a national context. So for me, black power becomes the process by which a people, black people, can exercise the capacity to do for themselves in all aspects of livelihood and at the same time protect themselves from foreign intruders. And I'll leave it there. Appreciate you, my brother. Thank you for joining us. Uh, remember, on, on, on the tell end, right, remember who you are, how you define black power, and what you've done to contribute to it. But uh, Baba Emotep, you led with what you've done to contribute, but just for, for the next uh, few folks. But we're making good on time. Do we have Empress Filet with us yet? Yeah, Bo, I'm here. I'm here. Greetings. Greetings, <laughs> family. My hotel. So uh, my name again, Sister Empress Filet, Chil Naso, also known as Dr. Filet. And uh, one of my contributions, of course, is the original historic Million Woman March, which, of course, still remains the largest gathering in the world of any women anywhere ever. And certainly we are now uh, established as the first global movement for women and girls of African descent worldwide. Um, it's again, let me thank everyone that has joined this discussion and certainly our host, Brother Omawali. Uh, this is wonderful. To answer the question, what does black power mean to me? Well, the Million Woman March helped to demonstrate it. 
where sometimes we talk about what things mean or what we want them to be. At some point, we have to make it manifest. And so the Million Woman March did exactly that, meaning it demonstrated self-determination from day one to the present day, meaning never having a grant, never having corporate sponsoring, never uh, embracing diversity or multiculturalism or anything of that nature. Also keeping it real in the context of RBG and not making it mixed up with other stuff that's representing LBG or some other things. And so when we talk about black power, we talk about it in the context, not just politically, but from a universal context, understanding that black is the most dominant entity in the universe. And so to embrace that in from the past perspective, looking at it and embracing it in the present and helping it to evolve for the future. With that said, we embrace our ancestors, make certain that we are able to continue the work, the mission, the outlooks, etc., that they gave us in all aspects. And in that, bringing it forward, demonstrating it in a present day, but also evaluating, are we moving it forward, looking at what has already been done, and then examining today, how have we developed it further? And then with that, where do we take it for the future? And what preparations in the context of black power are we prepared to now move things forward? Lastly, lastly, self-determination, self-defense. You got to unmute, Brother Shamar. Yeah, I, I, I just noticed that. Let's go to uh, Brother Tommy Russell. And I, I, I'm excited, man. Oftentimes people talk about, you know, there's nothing going on, black nationalism. You know, this younger generation is not doing this. The older generation is not doing this. Over two days, we've already, you know, we, we, dozens of people here tonight showing you from different parts of our region and our area what they're into. You'll have another dozens of similar people doing, but different people saying the same thing tomorrow and this is just the tip of the iceberg for anybody out there right now who who isn't excited by the fact that the idea of black power the idea of red black and green the idea of black nationalism and as many manifestations if you're not excited to see that it is alive and well then i don't know what side of the team what side of the game you're playing on brother tory greetings peace 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 thanks for having me like you said, my name is Tory Russell. Um, I'm one of the people from Ferguson, Missouri, or St. Louis, depending on how you look at it, who responded after Mike Brown. I was a lead organizer, uh, you know, spokesperson, uh, did all of the Black Lives Matter stuff. Uh, found out they wasn't going to be revolutionary, so we left mm-hmm. um, and tried to create something else. So uh, I went to Africa, uh, went to some people who had a Pan-African conference, um, some of the people that was in the 1972-76 conferences and things of that nature, and those elders presented us with a challenge. And that challenge was, could we create a pan-African movement or a global national black liberation movement? And so I came back to work in 2016 to try to do those things. Um, I define black power probably in a wide range of things. I think black people if you're trying to do something pro-black, you can be on the front lines, be it a doctor, a surgeon, a dentist, a nurse, a teacher, wherever. Um, I, I do both. I, I kind of call myself like the Terry Pendleton 
Um, that's a throwback call. I'm a Terry Pennington of the movement. Um, I'm a utility guy. Um, so, of course, you're going to know me in the streets. Um, I'm going to show up anywhere. Um, I'm, I don't go where I'm invited. Um, I'm an outside agitator. Um, I try to bring the revolutionary to the reactionary uh, protests and things, try to bring some long strategies. My con- contribution to that black power is I try to connect intercommunal and intergenerational things. So I created the uh, Books and Breakfast out of Ferguson, which funny because it happened at the North Philly Peace Park from time to time in Philadelphia. Yeah. And some of these things have been around the country and around the world. I just know my contribution is uh, the elders in Brazil and Africa said that I need to go get every elder, every able body, every person that believes that black people can be free, assist in building a movement and give them freedom in their lifetime. And so that our children can inherit uh, free, free people problems instead of oppressed people problems. Uh-huh. Uh, that's my thing, man. So uh, from the streets, anywhere you need me, I'm going to be there. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you for joining us. Let's go to uh, Minister Rodney Muhammad. All right. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, in the name of Allah, the Beneficent and Merciful, we thank Almighty God uh, intervening in our affairs in the person of Master Farad Muhammad. We thank him for the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, his exalted servant. And I'm proud to be uh, under the leadership of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Um, we greet everyone that's on the, this esteemed panel. I want to thank Brother Omawali for uh, inviting me, and I'm very happy to be here. Um, journey's been kind of long, extends back years to the south side of Chicago. For me, of course, uh, uh, Lou Palmer was the godfather of black power in Chicago at that time, uh, and Lou's bookshelf used to bring together a galaxy of, of a lot of names of of men who wrote books and and women. And uh, so there I used to sit and listen to, uh, as a teenager, listening to Dr. Conrad Worrell and uh, Haki Matabuti, um, uh, Ola Menji, uh, Dr. Bobby Wright, uh, just so many of them gathering together in Chicago and uh, spent a, a short period of time with the uh, All African People's Revolutionary Party at one time, Trans-Africa at one time, um, working with uh, uh, them. And then uh, one night they got together and put a meeting together um, and they had Minister Louis Farrakhan as the, as the principal speaker that night for the nationalist community in Chicago. And, um, and so from that time, I have been uh, working with uh, Minister Louis Farrakhan. Um, I served in Chicago as the national secretary for him and then um, uh, back in uh, around 1991-92, I was sent to the city of Philadelphia to be a minister uh, with him. And so I've been working the state of Pennsylvania, Delaware, and all of South Jersey down to Atlantic City with the establishment of mosques and centers. Um, we, uh, uh, when it comes to black power, oh God, um, you know, we've always been taught that black wasn't just color, but it was also consciousness and culture, but it was also, also more important, a cosmic connection uh, uh, with the origin of creation itself. Uh, I'll just say that, you know, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad always said, we have to have subject-verb agreement. We can't talk um, 
and declare independence and then conduct ourselves as slaves. You have to have your actions in line with your, with your, uh, with your, your game plan or your theory or what you're advocating. I would say, you know, right now, you know, to, to access consciousness, consciousness is necessary for us to access power. Okay. Uh, if, if, if we're going to come from a state of powerlessness into power, the black man has to change what kind of knowledge is in, in his head. Uh, and so, you know, only ignorance limits us. So let's, uh, let's work toward that knowledge, but I'm, I'm happy to be here. You know, I'll just contribute tonight, but thank you. I, I didn't want to throw all the time. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Tyrene. Tyrene Wright. I think you're on mute. Don't waste your good stuff on mute. <laughs> all right. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. So my name is Tyrene Wright, Dr. Tyrene Wright. Um, I'm originally from New York. And uh, where I reside doesn't matter because only Africa is home. And we're going to get to that. <laughs> so it doesn't matter where I am out here. You know, so one, of course, obviously, clearly in terms of um, well, let me talk a little bit about myself first. Um, originally from New York, I still teach for the City University of New York. Um, I'm the assistant editor, editor of the Journal of Pan-African Studies. Uh, and also I'm a former expat to Senegal. I briefly taught at the University of Shakanta Jop. And at the time, I founded an organization called African Women for Africa. And later, I started a press called Global Africa Press. And through that, I published, after taking back uh, a book I wrote on Booker T. Washington in Africa, which is about a early, independent, sustainable African community uh, called Tuskegee. Um, and that, that masquerades as an institution of higher education. Uh, but also, too, I am I got my political education and I come to political maturity in the All African People Revolutionary Party, mm. which I'm very proud of. And so, you know, there's a great conversation to be said uh, had around identity and blackness. Right. Because uh, blackness was imposed on us. Who are we really? We are African people. If you're human, you're African. Uh, this blackness, sure, we had a positive intellectual transformation in this reality around blackness that allowed us to seconds. change what blackness means to us. However, it's not about being black. It's about being African. And the only place we need to fight over where true nationalism can be expressed is really on the continent. OK, we're not claiming seizing land in the United States. You paying taxes here. You contributed to the building of the United States. So then we got to talk about revolution. Okay. And so maybe we'll have that conversation. But I believe with, uh, you know, I agree with Brother Sekou Odinga uh, that we need to have some consensus on identity. I'm not trying to make everybody understand they're African. Either you know it, you're not. And then you know what is primary. America is not primary. Five okay? seconds. All right. Oh, I have more time? <laughs> America is not primary. So we need to talk about that. We need to have that conversation because true nationalists claim land. And we've settled in terms of black nationalism for having control of our communities. And there's a lot to be said for that. We did that. We did that 100 years ago and we did it well. So well, we're being punished for it now. 
Okay, that's what Tuskegee and all those other places are. Uh, independent and sustainable African communities. So five, I'll leave it there. You said five seconds. <laughs> okay, I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there, but more to come. You know, so. Appreciate you for being here. Let's go to our final uh, panelist. Last but not least, uh, Brother Carl Tone Jones. I don't see him, but I'm hearing he's in queue. He's here. He's in it. He's in queue. All right. Say something, Brother Carl Tone Jones. Going once. <laughs> Peace and black power. Peace. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not at a place where I can actually um, put my uh, camera on yet. Um, thank you for, you know, Brother Omawali for, you know, putting together this panel, seeing people. Um, a lot of recognizable faces. Um, well, let me see. I guess I can give you all a quick look. Uh, a lot of recognizable faces. Um, but um, I basically, I... I just get in where I fit in, in terms of whatever work needs to be done. Um, I'm not sure if there's an actual label in terms of what I, you know, um, contribute is whatever is needed, you know, whatever is necessary. You know, I try to answer the call. Um, I produced the uh, film, The Independence Day Project, which asked two very important questions. But as what does an independent black community free of white supremacy look like to you as African people? And what do we need to do to build it? And basically by removing the obstacle, the one obstacle that seems to always be in the way, you know, maybe we can, you know, create a vision. And the, the concept of the film wasn't necessarily to be the end all be all in terms of answers, but it was to change the, con the conversation from, you know, um, being in the struggle to, well, what does it look like when we win? So um, been working um, in collaboration with uh, North Philly and West Philly Peace Park. Um, Brother Samari and I have been on um, several different teams and projects <laughs> throughout the years. Um, I co-host the show on WRG. Um, um, actually, it'll be this Sunday. Um, a new a new worldview with uh, David Bond, and um, you know, basically, uh, like I said, to get in where I fit in. Um, I, I just uh, I'm also a card carrying member of the Black Liberation Movement out of Mississippi, um, Coldwater, Mississippi. And um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Brother Muhammad, I think I saw you there last year, um, if I'm not mistaken. So um, that's it. You know, um, I tried to several different programs within the community. Five seconds. Okay. Oh, that's it. Then I'm done. All right. All right. So, so let's do this. It's about 740. I want to take the next 40 or so minutes to delve into uh, our centering question. And I'm going to do a little bit of experiment. We're just going to have an open conversation. I'm going to read the question into the record. I'm going to ask everybody who chooses to respond to respond, take about no more than 90 seconds uh, to weigh in and just have a dialogue. If, if, if people so, want to respond, let, let the, let the initial response be 60 seconds. So we could try, try prep. I know I'll put 90, but just with the timing, because we, we got some, we got some long runners on this one. So it's time right now to establish the ground rule. So let's do this 60 seconds. Uh, we can do 60 seconds. And if people want to respond, to what was said, your response should be no more than 30 seconds, but we're not going to do a back and forth. This is not a debate. We're not having a debate. We're, we're laying out options and considerations for people to contemplate. So let's let's do it in that space and with that spirit. Brother Omawali, I'm going to ask you, um, as people are approaching their 60-second um, approach, if you can let them know, give them a 15-second countdown so they don't have to feel like they have to rush everything into the last five seconds, that would be good. 
Um, and, and, and so let's get started. What I want to do is I'm going to read the question as it was written, and we all should be familiar with it. Um, and then, then we can go from there. Due to our or due to the posture towards national protest movements that people who consider themselves black nationalists tend to take, um, and I'm going to ask Brother uh, Professor Carlton Jones if he can mute, because I think I'm hearing some background noise from some people. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's what I did. Okay. All right, so I'm going to start all over. Due to the posture towards the nationalist protest movements that people who are considered black nationalists and, and advocates of black power tend to take, uh, the black nationalist community has often been accused of sitting on the sidelines when things happen. And so we're going to focus tonight on this idea of state-induced community trauma, things that happen when, say, police shoot someone like recently happened here in the city of Philadelphia and has been occurring all across uh, the United States. Based on your definition and your view of black nationalists, black nationalism and black power, um, I'd like to know how we begin to establish how we prevent, how we detect, how we resolve these moments. What's the appropriate place? What's the appropriate way for us to step into or not these moments as they're impacting the entire black population? But we want to maintain who we are as people who stand on black power and for black nationalism. What's the right space for us? What's the right right way for us to step into these moments on behalf of the cause that we are about and on behalf of our people? Well, I'll just say uh, very quickly, you know, I celebrate our right to protest, but we should not let the protest become the celebration. Sometimes it becomes the the goal and the end all. And I think too much is getting symbolic. Um, And I I think we need things because we have damaged self-esteem over a 400-year period. So we have to celebrate ourselves in many ways. But uh, we have to understand, as Malcolm X used to say about the March on Washington, uh, it becomes a status symbol. And then status symbols don't necessarily get us out of being poverty stricken and many of the things that uh, that we're beset with in the black community. Appreciate that. Thank you. Any reflections on that? I'd like to say that I think uh, this is Seiko Digger. I, I would say that uh, we have to organize ourselves to bring about a consequence for anything that's happening within the black community. If we're being attacked militarily, at some point, we're going to have to step up and defend ourselves, be men, be women, and, and be able to bring about a consequence that as long as people that don't like us can do whatever they want without any consequence, they're going to continue to do that. So we have to come up with some some way of organizing ourselves to bring about a consequence that will discourage them, whatever that consequence is. If it's militarily, all right. If it's economic, all right. If it's some other political way, okay. But it has to be a consequence that they feel, that that, that burns their ass, that, that brings something on them. So that's what I think. Appreciate it. I gonna, yeah, I just wanted to um, follow up with what Brother Sekou said, Baba Sekou said. Um, just starting with the quote um, that Kwame Ture said that if the white man has the power to lynch me, 
that he, if the white man wants to lynch me, that's his problem. But if he has the power to lynch me, that's my problem. So basically, and some of the stuff, when we talk about making sure that we, that there's a consequence, the consequence shouldn't always be something that we say out loud or that we show people. The consequence should be something that we've devised ourselves that people don't know is coming. They don't need to know the consequences coming until it's come. And it continues for every single time that one of us is murdered or attacked. And even when we think about lawyers who are going into the courts and fighting some of these battles, let's look at what ones we've won already, like Altimatics, who's gone in and fought these cases and making sure you have lawyers who have the, the, the ability to community support to be able to take justice and really, you know, have, make them pay. Mm. Any, any other thoughts? It, people want to more. Yeah, yes. If I, if I could speak to that real quickly. Um, it's interesting enough that uh, we're talking about this because I just, just talked about this a couple hours ago. And um, since the shooting happened in Philadelphia, the young brother, um, as you all know, I, I no longer live in Philadelphia. I live in Stafford, Virginia now. Um, I haven't really said much about the situation, but a couple months ago after George Floyd had gotten um, shot, I said this, that until we respond to the violence that has been perpetrated on us with violence, meaning that we must make an example out of them. And I'm, I'm, I'm dead cold serious about this. We must make an example out of um, these police um, in order to get our point across to leave us alone and to leave our community alone. They're not going to stop. They're going to continue to do what they're doing. We must make an example out of them. So I agree with Baba Sekou, and I also agree with the sister as well, that we don't even have to say anything. Once we are attacked, once our community is attacked, we go to work. Mm. Is that simple? And the other thoughts, it, it, it reminds me of the moment I, 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 and I can't put myself there except through, you know, my own brain and transporting. Um, you know, I, I'm wondering, you know, Malcolm X had a moment where he was like, oh, we stand on this thing, but, but what is the appropriate way that we as people who understand who we are as an organization need to weigh in on this moment? I don't necessarily agree with people who are voting. I don't necessarily agree with the push towards civil rights, but I agree that as a black man and a black nationalist, we and I have to be present in that moment. And that's the debate we want to have in 2020. It's a similar kind of conversation. What are your thoughts about what, what, what is the proper presence of black nationalism and black power in these kind of moments of induced community trauma? Right. I, um, I mean, for me, it's kind of sad. I mean, we, like you said, we six, 10, 20, 30 years in, I haven't seen this black institution where black people to go. I haven't seen this black land claim for me. And so the only black power I'm seeing executed and black people taking any black space or doing anything to the police or anything is at the protests. I watched in, what, 2015, Michael Johnson, he killed a, a police officer in Dallas, right? So all them super black people that say we need to respond and shoot, no, no, no. He spoke to a couple people, right? I ain't see nothing. Chris Dorner did it. I ain't see nothing. I'm in Ferguson. We go heads up with the police all the time. 
There is no national response. There's no statewide response. All I see is I, I don't see brothers and sisters with dashikis and unks at the protest. But now in this season, I'm, I'm seeing them telling me to vote. I'm seeing them, we need to boycott. I ain't never seen a successful boycott in my life. We need to buy black. We don't have apps. It's just, it's just where are we going to get black power when you see a, a force of young people trying to at least ex- exude some black power? And the black consciousness, the black nationalists, the black power people, quote unquote, ain't present, ain't giving advice, and won't put their boots back on for one good time to tell the young soldiers how to do it. All right. Um, if I may chime in, two, uh, I want to kind of connect to both the last two questions. One is, uh, of course, coming Monday is, is National Black Solidarity Day. So that is a day that we can, of course, observe and not spend any money in this system for one day, which, of course, is 51 years old. But to go back to your first question and to bring it into the second one, uh, two things. One, there's a lot of ambiguity about what black power is, what black nationalism is and all of that. There are some who are very clear about that and are out here on these front lines. But the truth of the matter is, do not get the support, even from those who say they are about black nationalism or black power. Three names were just mentioned. One was Baba Kwame Ture. And so, again, the thing that we have to look at is the things that they already taught us, which was one thing he said was organize, organize, organize. The other person that we mentioned, of course, was Brother Malcolm X, who said very clearly to us over 50 years ago, we got to go from civil rights to human rights, which is what MWM is now bringing forward. Lastly, we talked about Brother Alton Maddox and the great work that he does. But once again, who has really supported him over the years in the work that he's done? So as we talk about these things in terms of what black nationalism is representing or you know, what should we do about it? We have to first clear up the blurred lines, bring about a consistency that is going to connect all over the country with an agenda that is black mm-hmm. and then embrace it as it has been in the past in some different periods, but yet has been clearly demonstrated. Appreciate the offering. Appreciate okay. the offering. Other thoughts? Can I, yes. Can I jump in here? This is Dr. Wright. This is Terry Wright. Time out, y'all. Um, yes. Before you can get you hear me? It's not going to count against your time, but I want to, so that you can save time asking whether you can jump in. It's designed for you to jump in. Okay. Jump in and, so, and, first I wanted to moderate. say, you know, first I wanted to just say that, you know, Fanon talked about the three questions that every revolutionary needs to ask him or herself, which is, who am I? Am I really who I think I am? Am I all I ought to be? And the reality is, is I think that most of us are stuck on the second question. Am I really who I think I am? Because that is the question where we resolve contradictions, the difference between what we say we believe or who we are and the difference between what we actually do and engage in. And so really to have a real authentic conversation here, we need to have some honesty about the level to which so many of our people here expect to ultimately integrate, assimilate, okay, and amalgamate into this society, okay? What do we really want? Are we willing to fight for the franchise or over the franchise called America? Or do you want to destroy the franchise. That's really, so So when we talk about black nationalism, we're going to talk about it in the most authentic and potent form. A black nationalist, a nationalist who claims land would be seeking to overthrow 
the franchise? Are you willing to take the franchise? Who are you? Are you really who you think you are? I would. My contention is that we need not fight over America. We should protect our lives. There's only one place on this earth to fight for, and that's Africa. Okay, let them have this. But while we are here, you protect your life. You, to a large extent, sustain your communities as much as possible. But the reality is, is that we've done it already. Okay, and that we do have to have a historical analysis. We've done it already. Every community community you think we could have created, we created. But we live here with violent people and they destroyed each and every one of them to to a large extent overnight. So then we have to think about who we are. You know, everybody share our space pretty well. We have a lot of people, and we all have have thoughts. But again, if Brother Amawali gives you the fifteen second warning, please. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I, I think Brother Carl. No, no worries. We, we we not we not going to do folks like they did at the at, at the Great Harlem debate of '08 when we had to respect Which our is. people, or you get thrown off the stage. But I'm um, listening to, 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 to the panelists. Um, you can raise your hands. Uh, um, there's an icon. If you hit um, the icon under, uh, where, where is it? Uh, I can't see it because I'm the host or whatever, but there's an icon that will allow you to raise your hand so that people can come in queue because I know there's lots of people who want to jump in. Or y'all can just do it like how Brother Sean got it going and just keep jumping in. Brother Carl Tone Jones, I, I was told you had your hand raised. <laughs> I was catching what I'm eating. Uh, I was just speaking more so in regards to... Uh, Excuse me. In regards to this concept, the notion that we have to always wait for something to happen to us before we react and we become reactionary before we become anything, you know, in terms of nationalist or um, pan-Africanist or revolutionaries. And I would say that, um, and Mama Filet put it together, Rach uh, spoke on... Uh, the need for us to become more organized and we need to start developing think tanks and become proactive, you know, and we need to lay our egos at the door because we have a million black movements, but everybody thinks they should sit at the head of the table instead of everybody coming together and being able to meet on a compromise of building black power. So once we actually define what black power is and what it looks like and have a consensus about it, mm-hmm. then we just need to go in and put it together. But I think the stumbling block is getting to that point. Seconds. I won't even need them. <laughs> I'm I, done. Thank you. And I, and I, I said, I'm going to ask a second round to talk about prevention. How, how, do, how does our view of black nationalism, our definition of it, and our definition of black power lend to our ability to prevent these incursions, right? We got to be, we got to really begin to get to the point that I think that it says something about the state of black power and black nationalism, that these incursions against our life and against our well-being continue to happen. Like, I think that that's a, a, an indictment, if you will, about where we are as it relates to black power, black nationalism. Not only should we be thinking about how we adequately and appropriately respond, but the question is, how do we, based on our pursuit of black power and black nationalism, get to the point that these incursions against black life in our spaces 
are not even thought about happening because people would understand that we're organized and prepared enough that this space is protected space. How do we how do we get there based on the definitions of black power and black nationalism that we're operating from in 2020? Or is that too much to ask? <laughs> no, it, it's it's not too much to ask. I think, but um, I, I think Sister Filet said some things that that would give clear signals to people. Like if people like Alton Maddox are not abandoned, if people that say they're on the front line, if they're not abandoned, there's a signal because we have opposition, and that's one thing we're not talking a lot about. But but. You know, we don't have to get rid of white supremacy and their structure or anything to start really building a black power base, at, you know, conceptually. Um, but where, where you have opposition, there has to be a clear signal that either there's going to be defense or we're going to do everything to make uh, that defense uh, something present. And... Um, and, and you have to build some kind of, of, of army. You have to build something uh, in the way of, of, of a military structure. And that's not going to be democratic. That's going to be a loving kind of dictatorship, but it's a chain of command. But it's a signal that you can't just come in here and do like you want to do, at least in this space. I was at a dinner for the Chinese there, and just there in Chinatown, in that little square block area, they have produced 7,500 jobs for themselves. Now, the Vietnamese don't get along with the Japanese. The Japanese don't get along with the Chinese. And none of them get along with the Koreans. But for their survival, they're able to take that little few square blocks in Philadelphia and create 7,500 jobs for themselves. Five seconds. Yeah. So. Appreciate the offering. Yeah. So Brother Tory put a, a significant um, challenge on the table for the community, and, and I appreciate him doing that because um, one, one of the challenges that we see or one of the critiques that a lot of us have uh, of the integrationists and the, the civil rights movement is that they are not self-critical, right? They don't have the ability to be, to be critical of themselves, so therefore they don't have the necessary friction for the, the movement to reach its highest potential. Right. So I think that Brother Tory has created some friction with his challenge in terms of what are we going to do? So, Sister Lavinia, I see you had your hand raised. So I'm going to mute and, and allow Brother Samari to take back over. I'm sorry, y'all. Yeah, I was about to double up on that challenge. Go ahead, though. <laughs> well, let's hear Sister Lavinia first, and then I want you to double up, Brother Tory. Well, let me say, right, I had to, like, write down before I forgot some of my points because I really kind of wanted to touch on the first one, but I think it applies to all the questions. First, we have to make the decision that our people are worth saving. That's really what the discussion is. And then once you make that decision, for me, absolutely, we are worth saving. So wherever I have to do the work at is where I will do the work. But then you have to stop being dismissive of people who don't think like you, who may not be on the same conscious level as you, and you have to help them. You have to have empathy and sympathy. Then we talk about intentional building, right? An intergenerational building. You have to intentionally build with other people. What you do as an individual is not good enough. You have to do it collectively. So we have to stop saying, okay, well, I'm over here in this corner and this is what I do. So 
this is my part. No, you have to build with other people. That's why at the peace part, we are a collective. Many people do different things, but we come together to form something greater. And that's having the understanding of what taking land back means, right? Having that proper understanding, because one of the things that was just mentioned by the minister was when you see the Asians, they have blocks and blocks and blocks. They're taking over where they are. So we need to do the same. We have to support each other. We have to do it. Then we need to implement solution-based programs, right? 10, ten seconds. Implement that. But number four, the biggest thing is, and I give uh, so much praise to Baba Sekou, do what Baba Sekou and his team did, right? That's how you protect your stuff. Like, we have a peace guard. By all means, we will protect whatever we build. And being on the land, we're building a school where we can teach our babies and have them with knowledge itself. So those are key things that we need to have an understanding of and that we need to work on. But most importantly, you have to make the decision that your people, where you are, deserve to be saved. But Tori, you said you wanted to double down. I I double down. Appreciate your offering, Sister Lavinia. Uh, You know, like the sister said, it's like, I think that's the thing, like, internally that we have to answer, right? So, like, intergenerationally, from man to woman to child, it's like, do I care enough about these black people to actually do something and organize something? Right? I would have, I'm telling you, I didn't want to create the IBF. I didn't want to create another organization or do, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be blessed to come into Ferguson and go into a pre-existing pro-black organization that was doing something. That ain't how it worked. And so the problem is, is twofold, right? So I'm a self critique is younger people like me. We think we slice bread. We just think that the movement, we created a movement, you know, we got, we guys gift and this what it is. But at the same time, we didn't come into nothing. Like I'm, I think I'm conscious. I got put out of school for straight in the race ride in middle school. So I, that, I guess they, in my file, they already knew I was going to do this, but I wasn't pre-organized. So how do we get the pre-organized people to build something strong enough? So when people have a spark of consciousness or want to walk in consciousness every day, they can come into something. Be it becoming farmers, urban growers, guerrilla farmers. If they, you got the gang members who want to reform, you know, you got the Geronimo Pratt's and the Ralph, Ralph Bunches and all, you have to be able to create a succession plan, right? But you also have to be able to have enough buckets to catch people. And I think us as a movement, we six, eight years in, some people 80, 20, 30, 40 years in that did this, we have to say, damn, we ain't doing enough. Right. So, doing it, we ain't doing enough. So let me stir the pot a little bit. Um, my question on the table is: Has has black nationalism and black power have those have our movements become elitist? Have we become specialists? Are we have we lost the connection that said Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey had with the people? The same way that 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 Kwame um, Ture Soli Carmichael went amongst the people, though he himself might not have believed in voting, he he lit his blood, his sweat, and tears to helping people get empowered on their terms. Have we, over the last fifty years or so, become a little specialist in our approach to black nationalism that allows us to say, "No, that's their thing. We ain't about that." 
Tradition Mari, if I may respond to that, um, and, and big ups again to Baba Sekou Odinga. Good to see you and hear you again. Um, I had the opportunity to spend a little time with Baba Kwame Ture before he became an ancestor. And before doing so, he made it very clear that it's important to connect Black nationalism slash internationalism with Pan-Africanism. Once we connect those dots, connect the Black dots, we're able to look further, we're look, able to look at today, but also in into the future. Last night, MWM had a Zoom uh, call where we brought sisters together from all over parts of U.S. So when we talk about collectivity, we have to look at what we are defining that for today, as with other things. That session with sisters last night they included sisters with arms and sisters with a purpose. But the focus point was making certain that sisters knew how to deal with self-defense. Because we felt if our brothers knew that they that we were safe, that they could be able to do their jobs even a little better, you see. And so sisters literally was able to help other sisters last night to become a little more acclimated to understanding the importance of self-defense. So, again, we've got to begin to connect some of these things. And, and to answer your question, Brother Samari, about has it become elitism? Again, there's different levels and different functions, but we have to begin to identify amongst ourselves what roles are we trying to really uh, exemplify and administer? What roles and what responsibilities? And then where's the levels of accountability? Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, I want to jump in real quick. Um, as far as far as sitting on the sidelines during national protests, I can kind of understand uh, both sides. I, I think, I, you know, I spent seven or eight years working with brothers and sisters organizing protests when I was younger. We thought we sliced bread, too. Uh, in the Midwest, that's where I'm from. We were doing that kind of stuff when I was a young college student. I think our intentions and behaviors were genuine about 60% of the time. 40% of the time, we were just angry, wanted attention. But I think the main thing that protest offered was to shine a light on things that were going wrong. Now, since then, I've helped found a charter school for black children, co-founded institutions, <laughs> created black think tank, created a documentary, directed an Afrocentric STEM program, and employ a bunch of black people uh, so I think some somebody is sitting on everybody's sideline. You know, I could say that the people in the protests, they're not building institutions. They're not employing anybody. They're not starting and run. They're not building uh, uh, the kind of family structures that we need within our own families and within our community. So I think the thing is we need to respect the fact that people are doing different kinds of things. Uh, and our the deal is we need to feed, clothe, protect, and house ourselves and we need a Pan-African Pan African connection to the worldwide African community. So everybody's sitting on somebody's sideline and we need to respect each other's work. I think that's the thing we need to do. Yeah, to answer the question um, about the whole protest thing, um, I've, if, if Mama Pam Africa called me and say, hey, I need you to come out here, then I go outside, right? But I do both. The reason why I tend to not go out to protest anymore is not because I, I, I don't have solidarity with our people, especially when it comes to the political prisoner marches. But for me, is if I go out there and I've been checking my timeline, people have been getting beat up. If I go out there and you hit me, I believe in self-defense. So to avoid certain situations, I don't put myself in it. I don't go there because if a cop hits me, 
I have every right to defend myself. But why go there and get into that altercation, which will not change our conditions right now, have to have people bail me out possibly and whatever other charges when it's just to say, hey, accept me, accept me, accept me. I don't go out for that. There's one thing when nationalists say, okay, let's have a rally amongst each other just to talk and say, okay, we need to meet at a later date in private, et cetera, et cetera. But to go out there knowing the risk and then to not even fight back, I don't do it. And I think that that's why a lot of us don't go out there anymore because we don't want to deal with that. So in that space, let's, and let's, let's say you summarize my thoughts exactly. I'm not going to walk into a, a, a territory, a theater, a fight, and I'm not clear about this. I don't control situational awareness, right? That's the scripted and created, and it empowers other people. So let's say I have a strategic, tactical reason not to go and do that as is currently defined. But as a black power person, as a black nationalist, what should I be doing? What is the appropriate way for me to be present in for us to be present in these types of moments? Um, Natasha, go ahead, brother. Let's let Sister Natasha had her hand raised for a while. Can we let her weigh in? Yeah. In terms of um, what Brother Shamari and Sister Lavinia said. It's the same thing with me in terms of going to protest. I, I still go to protest, but I go to protests of organizations that I know. I know of tons of protests where, you know, organizations that pop up out of nowhere at the last minute, throwing together stuff. There's tons of white people there. Sometimes you go to a protest and it's a quote unquote black organization. And all of a sudden they, you know, kikiing with white people and saying like, you know, we need you know white people to do the work too, like all this other stuff, which completely has nothing to do with black nationalism. So in terms of what you what we do is, one, educate those who are around you, because I'm sure just like everybody else here, there's tons of people who are around you when these things happen and they're saying stuff, they're asking questions, they want to know what's going on. You educate those people who are directly around you who who haven't been doing any of this work. If they start if they want to start doing start bringing them into the fold and helping them see how they can do that work. I think sometimes because we don't see it on TV or on social media, because it's not put up, you know, by the mainstream, we think that like black nationalists, they're just not doing anything at this time because they're not getting the airtime that these protests are getting or these organizations that just pop up and say, I'm the one, I'm the savior, I'm here to save black people at this time are the ones putting themselves in the front forefront as who it is. But there's work we've been doing beforehand, like, you know, Dr. Shockley talks about whether you've been working with young children, whether you've been working with your communities, whether you've been working with the elders like me, I don't think I'm sliced bread. I've been waiting for, I've been dealing with elders ever since I was young, going to them for advice still now, because I understand that the importance of intergenerationality and the importance of learning from what they've done and getting it firsthand, not just reading it, but when you know those elders to, to learn from them and, and do with them and also ride for them like political prisoners. We can't be just out here talking about black nationalism or talking about like protesting when, when even some of us who are out here protesting don't even care about political prisoners when we're talking about Black Lives Matter or something like that. How are you going to forget those of us who actually did like Baba Sekou did and did those things that he's saying, but we're not supporting them. We're just out here like saying, okay, yeah, this one person who, who passed or those of us who are passed right now, they matter. But we're not going to talk about the, those other ones who yes. have been behind the wall. Thank you, Sister Natasha. Baba, Baba, yeah. your mic is open. Do you want to weigh in? Yeah, brother, brother Shamari, if I could say something. 
Oh, no, one second. He's coming in. Maybe he's trying to unmute. Right. I, I see his mic was open, so I wanted to see if he wanted to weigh in. Yeah. If, if not, I, actually, Brother Oba was up, but then we'll close out this segment with you, uh, uh, Mr. Rodney. So, Brother okay. Oba. Thank you, Brother Shamori. Um, for me, I don't necessarily uh, endorse or support the whole idea of um, organized protests, per se. Um, it's, it's almost to me like... Uh, our great scholar, Baba, uh, Dr. John Henry Clark said, it's a waste of, uh, of, of good shoe leather um, after a while. It's, it's a strategy that has been used over and over and over and over again. And like an orange, we have squeezed all the juice out of protest. I personally uh, uh, subscribe, um, me, um, and I'm, I'm speaking for me, is that I personally subscribe to what is called an Abusawa formation, a formation of family and community um, in the development of uh, and moving towards uh, the development of something that we can call our own, more of a communal formation um, based on tribe, based on families, um, based on community, um, where uh, I find to be a little bit more effective. The numbers are smaller, but the work um, is being done at a greater capacity. Um, so I think that where we need to, um, begin to look at is, um, is the strategy of marching effective <laughs> it, it ha- or has it lost its effect? Because to me, it has over the years. So really, um, and looking at a smaller formation, uh, a more organized formation based on family, based on tribe, based on community, to develop something that will um, 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 blossom and 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 become woefully a nation. Appreciate it. Um, have Minister Rodney. Can I, can I, I was going to say um, the. Hold um, up, Mr. Rodney. We'll have you give us some quick thoughts, and then we're going to open it up because we have some um, audience questions as well. Um, so we want to weigh in. So, but I I was just going to say that the, the young brother that was talking from Ferguson that was talking about you know, people sharing with generations that, that come in because I was blessed to have people, you know, because if you're born on third base and you never hit the ball, then you know somebody had to go to bat for you. Uh, and so we recognize that, you know, we're standing on the shoulders of, of many ancestors that have have laid their life down for us to even have this starting point where we are right now. But I was going to say there should be mentoring because the marches in the 60s, to be real honest, if they knew you were working in the city and you could lose your job marching, you you stayed at work. They bust people in many times. Uh, these marches were organized. Lawyers were set to get ready to get people out of jail and that. So I think some of us that, that may be familiar with all that, and I'm not the one, but I'm saying if we're familiar with how that setup was, for those that still want to go out and protest, perhaps we can mentor them and say, well, look, if you must do this, you know, organize it better so that, um, but but I do believe they've lost their effect, but at least they can go out there and not walk into some of the dangers in that and, and pitfalls that, that some of us have, have had before. So Appreciate it. I'm, I'm a violent... Oh, I'm going like to violate my rule and I'm going to take one more uh, voice on this particular topic and that would be Dr. Tareen, right? 
Okay, so I just want to. Brother Tommy has his. After Dr. Tyrene, we'll get Brother Tommy because he he hasn't really got a chance to win. So, my comment is just really simple. I I've heard you know we've had a full not a full but we've had a lively discussion here, and I haven't heard the word revolutionary come up at any point. And so, how many people who consider themselves Black nationalists also consider themselves revolutionaries? And then how does that relate to the fact of, you know, whether or not you go to a protest? I I would argue that most revolutionaries don't show up at protests um, because they may not be aligned with the objectives of that protest. So, you know, so we do have to make some distinctions here. Every person who believes in black nationalism is not a revolutionary. Okay. Um, and so I just want to hear what some people have to say about that, because I think what you do while people are out there protesting, if you are a revolutionary, you look for the complete transformation or destruction of that system. What you do is build ideological consciousness. So you d- build the consciousness so that when revolution is right there, those people can do that work. But you don't protest to uh, appeal to an establishment that you ultimately need to dismantle. Um, There's not going to be any reforming in America. The system in and of itself is what it is. It's working actually well, if you understand what this is. America is an expression of white nationalism. And uh, you don't reform white nationalism. If you don't agree with white nationalism, then you fight for the franchise and you destroy white nationalism. Uh, You don't appeal to it. And so, you know, I want to hear the comments or just what people understand about revolutionary actions um, in relationship to black nationalism. So let me, let me pivot really quick to brother Tommy, cause he had a, he wanted to weigh in. And before we throw it to the audience, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, muddy up your question just a little bit, Dr. Tyreen, because mm-hmm. I think that you may have uh, reignited the second flame tonight. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, thank you folks. I mean, I was always taught it's better to listen than to speak. And I find this um, discussion, I'm always a student. So I think what I can say to add on to this, and I'm, I'm speaking as a revolutionary, and as a revolutionary, it's better shown than talked about. Like, you know, so any question, I, any answer I would have, you have to look at my work, look at my life work, look at what I'm involved in. So the thing I want to say is vision. Without a vision, the people perish. Any of us as individual collectives, as individual leaders, until we can develop a vision, a vision that's encompassing of all of us, a vision of how we can move from where we're at now to where we need to be. The second thing, discipline, discipline, discipline in our speech, discipline in our approach, right? Already, I didn't want to speak because I felt like there's some some tropes um, already kind of thrown about that can kind of lead us to just have endless debate. The last thing I want to say, and I don't know if this is going off the topic, but nothing can be achieved. Us as revolutionaries, us as Black people, without the help of Almighty God. And by Almighty God, I mean the supreme power. And if you're wise enough, you would know that this supreme power can come to you through a Bible, can come to you through Quran. It can come from you from closing your eyes and looking within within yourself. But I want to say that, and I want to challenge each and every one of y'all with this dogma. My dogma that I'm going to say is that without God, without deep spiritual strength, nothing can be achieved. And lastly, I want to say this. I just got raided by the police. I took over the crack house in my neighborhood start giving out food, let everybody in the block know there's under new management. They came out deep, paddy wagons, cops, all of that. Those houses, we have we have those houses in our control now. I'm going to let you know that the reason why that victory was won, 
certainly because we are organized, certainly because we have a military, but because we put our faith in Almighty God. And I would challenge you, Black people, that if you put your faith in God, you will continue to go forward as a revolutionary force. And thank you for that contribution. We thank everybody for the contribution. So I want to turn it over to Brother Omar Wally so you can uh, facilitate the questions from the audience that I can't see. I'm I'm going to facilitate the Q&A, but I just want to, before I, because there's two people in the, in the audience who have their hands up right now. And, and let me just say the discussion has been uh, magnificent. It's been powerful. I, I appreciate us challenging each other and contending with each other um, and having constructive friction that can make us uh, better. Um, and, and sharpen the point of that spear because that's what we need to be doing. We need to be sharpening it. And as you always say, or as they always say, iron sharpens iron. So this is uh, necessary for us to have these convenings, um, not just to talk, um, but to figure out how we walk and where we walk so we can strategize together. But my uh, my question that I ask, and, and uh, Brother Tory, I'm going to pose this one to you because I think that um, this current iteration of the movement, whether it be Black Lives Matter or the protest movement, um, you've probably, of all the panelists here, probably been the most active on the protest front. And that's not to take away from anybody else, but in terms of protesting, I think that obviously you've been the most active on that front. So my question would be, over these past eight years, can you point to any gains uh, or any increase in power uh, that we've been able to achieve collectively as a people as a result of this current iteration of the protest movement? Um, and then my, my second, to, to double down on that question, it would be, what do we as a nationalist community or advocates of black power or revolutionaries need to be doing differently going forward to really uh, build true power uh, and, and transform uh, systems, institutions, and people? Hmm. I see what you did there. Um <laughs> I feel like, uh, yeah, you, you see it too. I, I feel like for the most part, we are trying to, and I think what we actually are doing is that we are destructing many arguments. So as an organizer uh, like Kwame Torre, it's like I don't personally believe in voting. That's, this ain't my stick. I don't really, be honest with you, I don't even want to be here on this side of the hemisphere. Um, and so... Uh, I would like to be next to the great Zambezi, um, eating some nice fish, waking up like that. So for me, I think what's happening is that we end in these arguments. I think we seeing clearly that the consciousness of the people are moving towards, yeah, this voting thing ain't right. This is white supremacy. Uh, this protest is probably going to play itself out over time. Right? It's like, yeah, I protest, but I'm not going just to protest. I'm going to go gather some more people so they can build something. So they can actually do something. So for me, I feel like at that point, we at least are getting more soldiers prepared for whatever war that we wage. So I'm going to I'm going to kick it to Baba say cool before I uh, close it out. Uh, I'm not close it out before I go to the audience so that they can ask questions to the panel. But I, I want us to all think about something right here. Um, and it's in terms of how we as revolutionaries or, or, or nationalists, um, you know, respond to trauma in our community, or uh, as Brother Shamari would say, how we put some power behind our presence. And I, I know that Spike Lee's film of Malcolm X, there was a, 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 a wasn't the, the best portrayal, you know, of, of, of Malcolm, of, of Brother Malcolm, or not of Malcolm X. But there was a scene in there that I think that we can all relate to. And it speaks to, uh, there was a, 
uh, a disorder or unrest happening in the community. And you had the protesters out there. They were screaming at the police and, you know, and, and a, a large raucous. And then Malcolm pulled up with the brothers in the ranks, very disciplined, very organized with the, uh, you know, they had power behind their presence. And Malcolm commanded those brothers. And, and when the police saw that, they said to themselves, no one man should have all that power. So when we look at like the protest movement today, our people are out there screaming with throwing stuff at the police, but the police don't see it as power. They see it as an emotional, almost temper tantrum. So my question becomes, and I don't even know if this is a question or a statement, how do we get that organization that Baba Seku was talking about at the beginning where we can organize ourselves to the point that there becomes a penalty uh, to pay uh, both internally and externally for those who do harm or bring trauma to our community? So that's just a statement. Nobody got to answer. Baba Seku, I'll let you say what you need to say. And then I'll, I'll take it to the audience. Well, just uh, to respond to your question there, I think your that your answer is is it within your question. You you organize. You have to organize to do that. So, uh, uh, which is what I wanted to say in the first place is, as someone mentioned earlier, uh, brother uh, Kwame said. We need to organize, organize, organize. We have to organize ourselves to organize the people. Once we can, uh, once we get enough, uh, get enough organization among ourselves, we can go out and organize our people. If we don't organize ourselves, we can't organize our people. If we don't organize our people, we can't. We never gonna get out of this shit mess we in because our. At some point, we have to become a people. I think I said that at the beginning. But if we if we uh, if we are struggling as individual organizations, as individuals, as as uh, different entities, rather than as a people, no. If you look at through history, the successful revolutionary struggles where people became. In, in, in control of their own destiny, in control of their own land and independence, they were a people. They were not different organizations. When this this country over here that they call itself the United States, they united those thirteen colonies to fight for, fight against their enemies, and demand the land and independence over here. Even though it's stolen land. Like the, the the crooks over there in Palestine are doing, they stealing the land, but the Jews stand up as a people. They don't they don't call themselves German, Russian, Americans, or even though they're from all them different areas, they call themselves Jews. And so until we become a people, until we organize ourselves and recognize that we are a colonized people and organized for our freedom. I think I disagree with Sister Tyree just a little bit that I do think that we can control, we can uh, build on this land that they call the United States. Uh, we can organize ourselves to a point where we can make it more profitable for them to give us what we're asking for than to lose it all. Mm. So, uh, <clears throat> yes. Yeah. In short, that's that's what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna let it go from here. Yeah. Can I respond to that, Brother um, yeah, you, too? You got, you got 30, 30 seconds for your response. Okay, well, yeah, 
I agree. We do have to become a people. That being said, um, I think that, so theoretically, I would say there's two struggles here, a struggle for power and a struggle for liberation. Uh, and I don't want to jump ahead, but I saw one of the questions about the integrationists and, and uh, black nationalists coming together, but we have to become a people. And the reality is, is that I, I hear what you're saying, Brother Sekou. Um, I agree with we have to become a people. However, uh, I don't think that there is much. So I believe primary, Africa is primary. I don't believe in the primacy of the United States. And it probably wouldn't be to our benefit to believe in the primacy of the United States. But that being said, historically, history teaches us that there is nothing here we can produce that they are unwilling to destroy. These people systematically decimated an entire continent, raped, murdered, and stole. Unless we are willing to do the same, then we're not ready for a fight over the franchise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if I could just weigh in, too, uh, (laughs) to go back to Sister's point about revolution, uh, in the early years of the rebuilding of the Nation of Islam, Minister Louis Farrakhan and Kwame Tarebe did meetings together in Chicago called Religion and Revolution. And they they worked these points because, you know, revolution really comes from the word revolve. And when a thing is revolving, it's to go back to your point of origin, uh, your originality, because <laughs> that's what we were that's what we were stripped of. And we have to claim that identity. You have to have the power to be able to look in the mirror and look past everything that has happened to us in these United States of America and see ourselves uh, in the light that God created us in. And I agree with brother that we need the power of God with us. Five seconds. Uh, you need that, 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 that greater power working with us. And, and I know that our ancestors would be in agreement with that. All right. So I appreciate mm-hmm. um, all of our esteemed uh, panelists. I'm um, Baba Emotep. You're not off the hook. You're here because you bring the fire. So, when the audience uh, asks, asks questions, I definitely want to hear from you, Baba. Um, so, uh, the fr- uh, Brother Shakarai, you had your hand raised, so I brought you into the panel. Uh, you can unmute your mic and put yourself on camera and ask a question uh, to the audience. Um, I ask this question to the panel. And any other attendees, if you have a question, you can either raise your hand or you can use the Q&A feature at the bottom of the screen. Um. Greetings, Tenda Amwali. Greetings, my name is Baba Shakara. Thank you very much, Brother Amwali, and all the organizers of this event. Um, please permit me just a few seconds to just pay homage to um, the fact that I'm in the presence of Baba Sekou Odinga. Um, I was born into this movement, um, and so I consider it an honor and a privilege to be in the presence of you know people that joined the movement young and are still in it. Um, as elders, yeah. So salute to you, Baba, and thank you for your work and your sacrifice on behalf of our people. Um, it's just a must to begin like that. Um, and greetings to all of the brothers and sisters on the panel. Um, I have two very brief questions. The first, um, is, uh, in relation to the fact that we have, um, brothers and sisters who, as Sister Tyreen was saying, by the way, if I could tell from my accent, I'm from the UK. Um, and, um, we have brothers and sisters, um, in our community who are, revolutionary but considered to be left-leaning revolutionary who are at the moment um very impassioned about the idea um that um you know when we're talking about um institution building and building our own you know world our own land that that presupposes an, an economic dimension and so for many revolutionaries the economic strategies so-called 
are, are not a viable means for attaining liberation. So how is it that we as black nationalists who believe in institution building, who are impassioned by the need for that in terms of our liberation agenda to overcome that hurdle in terms of that ideological thrust and propaganda, if that makes sense, yeah? I hope that question makes sense, all right? Um, And the second question is in relation to this idea of non-engagement with the system that we currently live in. Um, And in fact, it's interesting that Baba Seku is here because um, of the fact that we have situations like police, sorry, political prisoners. And in the UK, we've always stood in in solidarity with our political prisoners all around the African world, considering the fact that we have political prisoners in South Africa um, and other places um, in, the, in, in the African diaspora. Um, but um, if we look at Baba Sekou's Odinga's um, example, most of us are not engaged in those strategies at, as it stands at the moment in relation to our political prisoners. We are raising money for their legal defences and, and, and them kind of things, there, which is in fact engagement with the system, right? So um, in, in that respect, how, how, how is this a contradiction that we're going to have to rest with um, uh, for the time being? Or is it one that if we're, if all of the stuff that we've been saying about non-engagement and we're not voting and them kind of things there, should we just really be organizing to, 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 to you know, bust open these doors um, and break open these bars um, and them kind of things there? That's, that's just two, two brief questions. Thank you very much, Robert Wiley. Appreciate it. Was the question directed to, uh, specifically to Bob? Oh, or no, it sorry. No, it, it wasn't necessarily. Sorry, I, I, it was a general question. Yeah, anyway, okay. yeah. thank you. Thank you very much. I'd love to hear your your uh, answer to the, your own questions. Uh, we haven't heard much <laughs> from you. Uh, I I like that. That would give me a, a better idea of where you stand. Oh, I, I don't want to take a liberty to speak if I'm not supposed to. So let me, let me if if, no, if I'm you, my you, per, per, permission to speak, brother. It's, right, you know, okay. this is a community thing. All right, I, I appreciate it. In my in my humble estimation, um, I, f- I think Sister Tyreen hit the, the nail on the head in terms of um, the word revolutionary, and I think as Black nationalists, we have to begin to reclaim that word um, and, and manifest what it means from a revolutionary perspective, in the sense of the fact that we are a global African community, but the idea of, of, of self-determination and self-reliance is one is, is non-negotiable. From a from a real black nationalist Garveyite perspective, you know, like from a from an Amos Wilson perspective, and so um, and and I think that the 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 idea that this is not viable comes from a very ultra Marxist kind of reading of what revolution kind of means, right? And so we have ceded um, ideological space, yeah, to the Marxists um, at, um, at the moment um, since the nineteen sixties, I would say, and I think it's time that we reclaim that from a from an ideological perspective, from a scholarly perspective, but also from the perspective of actually building these institutions. And I think one of the main ones to start with is, is African-centered educational institutions and demonstrate the viability um, of, of these institutions, not just in terms of what we produce uh, out of them, but how we sustain them economically. Five seconds. Fine. Yeah. Um. I, I, I'm not even going to try, bother trying to answer the, the second part, the second question. But yeah. No, no, we can't let you off the hook. The second question was the most important part. You, <laughs> you, you asked in terms of, and do we engage with this system to free our political prisoners? Yeah, but I Or do we build the power to uh to force their freedom to liberate them ourselves? Right. So you, and, we and we, we want to hear, hear the answer to that question. Yeah, and and the, the thing is though, I mean that though, even beyond just the issue of political prisoners, because we're saying we're not supposed to vote, right? But we work, 
we pay taxes, right? So should we all be leaving the plantation? In fact, is black nationalism viable within white nationalist states? Yeah, should we all be going to work where we are the majority and fighting for black nationalism? There is, you know, do, do, do you know what I'm saying? These are all questions that we have to ask ourselves. Like, why, why? And I, and I ask myself, myself this when I'm in the UK. The, the, the older I get, the less viable living in the UK seems to make sense. It, it doesn't even make sense to me anymore. Um, you know what I'm saying? And and we, we understand, you know, these con- that oppression is is a is a, is is the the state of living in contradiction. So we accept them, but I'm I'm just putting it out there. If we're saying all these things in terms of learning engagement, is it Martin Delaney time where we just say, listen, original identity, yeah, go where we are the majority and fight there. Do you know what I'm saying? Because the, the options seem more viable. And I think that the, 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 the bridge between those two things is that we must develop or build, um, we must be about building global African unity. Yeah, so that we're so just just to because I want to give Baba Sekou a chance to respond to your question, but Mm -hmm. the 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 most significant challenge of your statement is the concept of we, like defining the we, because if we define the we only in terms of skin color, Mm -hmm. uh, we we've seen over the past hundred years or probably longer than that that Mm -hmm. all skin folk and kin folk, right? Not all of us have that political. Um, uh, clarity. So it depends on who you're bringing in, into the we. You could almost, um, uh, you know, you could spoil, so, um, so, um, so, so to speak. You could, you, you could spoil the ingredients by bringing some, uh, some bad stuff in, into the batch. Because there's a lot of people who look like us but are not of us in terms of uh, the, 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 their vision or outlook for what they want to bring about. What they want is reform, not true revolution. So, Well, in, in that sense, Robert Omwadley, I'd ask the question then, is it even possible for Africans in America to free political prisoners as just Africans in America? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it, 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 will, it, will it require some international African pressure to make that even a reality? And, can, and will that international African pressure come from, um, the, come outside of a power base f- that is based upon some land somewhere in the world if that my, makes sense. my reply and i'm kicking it back to baba say cool but my reply yeah. would be that liberation for any african person whether they're in america on the continent in the uk will require mm. african people of like mind and consciousness working together across borders across across languages uh to to work for that thing that you said is non-negotiable which is our uh sovereignty right our self-determination and a significant part of that and i, I would argue that the ultimate goal has to be the liberation of the African continent, right? For, for us as a people to live free uh, wherever we are. But in the interim, we have to be organized in our different locales so that yes, we sir. can provide those political goods that these Western nations are not providing for our people, meaning mm-hmm. food, clothing, shelter, those basic necessities. Understood, remember, and I agree. Absolutely agree. Can I add to that? Uh, let, let, Baba see, okay. let Baba say cool respond and then I'll keep, let you get in. Okay. Uh, well, uh, <clears throat> to the question of freeing our political prisoners, which is very dear to me, I, I started an organization called the Northeast Political Prisoner Coalition, where that's what we try to do is, is struggle to free political prisoners. But I think we can't just get locked on one way of doing anything. We have to be open to different ideas, different tactics, different methods of doing things. Uh, I have personally been involved in, in freeing political prisoners 
on multiple levels. You know, I've helped political prisoners walk away from the jury. I've helped, I've actually went into a prison and taken political prisoners out of the jury by force. And I've organized with others to uh, help get political prisoners free. So I'm, I'm not locked on no one way, and I don't think we can get locked on on the one way of dealing with it. By any means and all means, we have to, but we can never forget our political prisoners. We can never uh, abandon them. We are not a people if we abandon our political prisoners. We don't deserve no freedom ourselves if we won't fight for the freedom of those who fought for freedom for us. So uh, uh, that's my position on the freedom of the prisoners. In terms of us going uh going to Africa to build our life, to build our freedom, to, to, I don't believe that there's no land in Africa, no nation, no nation state that could take 50 million black people and, and uh, bring them into their nation and allow them to become part of that. It's just, it's not, I don't think it's possible. I don't think that, that you can, and, and plus, there's no way you can re, actually remove 50 million people out of this here area to 3,000, 5,000 miles away to Africa. So I think that we have to be re, be real. People, Fighting for land and independence is not a new thing. It's not something that can't be done. It's not when we start talking about uh, uh, building a nation here on this land and, and, and calling it New Africa, if you will, as the Republic of New Africa put forth for us. Uh, I don't think that's out of the question. I think that first of all, though, we have to believe. We got to believe that we're as, as great as other people. Other people did it. Why we can't do it? What makes us so afraid of this white racist dog that we feel we can't be do what other people of the world have done? We have a right to build a nation right here on this land. If any place, we got more right to do it here than even in Africa because this is where we built up. We built this here. African people built this here. So new African ADOS people should, argument. So new African people should have the right and should take that right, but nobody's gonna give it to us. The white man ain't gonna say, All right, y'all, here's reparations. Y'all can have five states, three states, one state, this plot of land to call New Africa. That's something that we have to want and demand. And then we have to be ready to fight for it. If you're not then you don't deserve it. If you don't, if you don't, if you're not ready to fight, to live and die for it, like other people have lived and died for the land and freedom that they've got, then we don't deserve it. And I think that at some point we have to decide that land and independence is what we want. We want to separate from this beast. We don't want to be a part of this history of of, of murdering and and wiping out nations and and destroying people and their economies. We don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. 
there's, I'm like I'm like Malcolm. I I feel like I'm a, I'm not an American. I'm a I'm a victim of America, and I don't want to be an American. There's nothing about this place that I'm proud of, really. Yes, I'm proud of a lot of things that my people have done here, but the nation itself, America, I don't want to be a part of this. You know, so uh, that's just a few of my thoughts on that. There. All right. So uh, to, to my to my panelists, we have um, 15 minutes to go. So I'm going to be extra disciplined with responses. I'm never going to cut Baba Sekou off. So he could have taken the last 15 minutes and y'all just would have had to deal with that. <laughs> but I'm just saying to the rest of y'all, I, I will be cutting y'all off if y'all if y'all go more than your time. But just really quick, the, there's a few um, uh, questions that we have to take from the audience before I allow the panelists to, to jump in on the conversation. I just want to make one clarification. That was absolutely not an ADOS argument because land and nation are two separate things. ADOS is arguing we built this nation, our slavery, our labor built up this nation. So they want to become of a, a part of this white American entity. And they feel that reparations is what gives them access to be made white or to be made American or to be made full citizens. That's not the same argument as to say that uh, the blood of our ancestors is in this land and therefore we have claim to the land and we want to establish our own nation, our own institutions, our own governance on this land. That's a, those, those are two separate arguments. Great, 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 great clarification. Great clarification. Thank you. I also don't understand why we get confused about that. I mean, we, we have Haiti, we have Jamaica, we have Bahamas, we have Brazil. No, no, I don't think, I don't think my, 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 my sister, what I'm saying is that like we don't have to look at other people's models for how that can look. That, that our diaspora comes from us as Africans, whether we claim an indigenous presence or an enslaved presence that we then took by our own hand and created our African nation states. That's what makes us Pan-Africanist. A- 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 absolutely. I-, I just wanted to clarify that the project that Baba Sekou just laid out right. is not, not, right. not the project that exactly. ADOS ADOS is not looking to separate from the United States of America and create create a nation on this particular land. That's why they have the flag of the United States of America as their identity. Those those are two separate concepts. All right. I have a question. And and also the back page of the final call, point number four, we're demanding a separate territory because we can't get the life essentials, freedom, justice, and equality within the American political, social, uh, political context. So, uh, separation is not moving somewhere else, but some of these states belong to us because as Brother Sekou said, we we built this land. Absolutely. So So Elijah Muhammad never, never, he wanted to be united with the African, but he's not talking about moving anywhere. We're (laughs) entitled to this and this is going to come. That's why it's still on the back page of the Final Call newspaper. Okay, so Sister Francine is one of the um, um, the audience members in attendance. She had a question for the panel. Sister Francine, you can unmute yourself and ask your question. Okay, um, my question is, um, I'm gonna I put it in the chat. I said I, I have a question re, uh, regarding libraries. Isn't that one of the African treasures uh, that have always been plundered? Uh, shouldn't be we be working? Um, uh, and having more African libraries so that we don't have to be so subject to uh, the censoring of other library systems. 
So I'm going to send that question for response to either Dr. Kemich Shockley or, or Sister Natasha, because I feel like you, you, that's 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 in your um you know that's the apple of your eye right there. So I'll let either one of y'all answer that question. Sister Natasha, Dr. Kemet, don't don't all jump at once. <laughs> Question is, what do we do about the importance of libraries? Shouldn't we have we be working to have our own African libraries? The reason for my question is I spoke to a library a graduate student who said she discovered, and this was kind of strange, uh, at a, a black uh, university. Uh, which was part of a university system, she said um, they were disposing of uh, important um, uh, scholarly uh, black books. And she researched it because that's what she's studying anyway. Mm -hmm. She wanted to find out what was happening. So it was encoded in the computer that if the books weren't uh, checked out within a certain period of time, that the computer was just uh, earmarking the books to be uh, um, taken from the library and sold off or destroyed. And so she said uh, her um, solution to the problem was to tell other uh, black students to, it was as simple as going in and checking the maximum number of books out. You could check them out for three minutes and check them back in. And the computer is just a computer. And so it would register the books as being five, five, five minutes. So that made me realize that our books are being censored at library uh, uh, American libraries. So uh, I believe we need our own library so so we can have a place where our books are preserved and not, you know, uh, disposed of like that, and then more access to the black community. Dr. Shockley, do you think you can give a 30-second response? I think so. I think that uh, I agree with the sister that we definitely need our own libraries just as much as we need our own everything. Uh, we're going to have to establish ourselves uh, as a sovereign, free, and independent people with our own library, stores, shops, being able to make our own underwear, paper products, everything we, we're going to need to be a nation. So we definitely want to have our own information uh, sources and to have the information that we think is important for us in the library because they censor us, they, they block us out. You know, uh, as a professor, I can tell you now that a lot of things that, pe that Black people publish and try to get out there for the community are absolutely and completely blocked by the white power structure. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree that we need our own libraries as much as we need our own everything. Yeah. All right, family. So this is how we're about to do this last 10 minutes before we close out tonight. Um, we Can have I? one what, one second, Dr. Tyreen. Um, okay. so, so we have um, one question that's coming from Brother Michael T. Muhammad from the audience, and I'm going to mm -hmm. and anyone on the panel can answer the question. Right after that question is answered, I would like each of the panelists with 45 seconds just to give something a practical step towards building black power. Um, if you have a, a closing statement, go ahead and make it and you could tell folks where they can connect with you last uh, going forward. Um, once all of the panelists have said what they said, Sister Zakia, I'll give you uh, 20 seconds to introduce yourself as our moderator for tomorrow's uh, black power roundtable discussion. Um, and you could tell folks to make sure they come back so they can finish watching the documentary and hear your powerful uh, uh, panel, which will have 12 um, uh, additional strong black voices speaking on black power. All right, so here's the question from Brother Michael T. Muhammad. Anybody on the panel can take it. He says, I've, and then David Shakes just threw a question. No more questions, all right? All right, David Shakes, I'll answer your, ask your question. No more questions from nobody in the audience. All right, Michael T. Muhammad, it says, I've heard the theme of separation or black independence come up at some point 
by most of the panelists. Dr. Tyreen was very specific about her perspective. Can we have the panelists share their views on immediate separation from whites, either here in America or abroad? And is it a viable solution? Baba Emotep, I feel like that's right up your alley. Yes, I, I want to weigh in. Um, I, I wanted to listen to everyone's point of view, see what we was going at. So this is what I would say. I think the first thing we got to do, we got to be real realistic and clear. There is no immediate separation, realistically speaking. There is no immediate separation from this land. Um, can, everyone mute? Can, every, can everyone mute? There is no immediate physical separation from this land, but it's viable in the long term if we strategize towards that. In terms of bringing about a revolution, we got to understand that there is no revolution without reform, and all revolutions are guided by ideology. And our ideology grows out our culture. And I haven't heard us talking about culture tonight. Culture is what drives the revolutions. It, it drives your understanding. So what I would say is this. In, in terms of us separating ourselves immediately, we have to do it culturally. We have to divest from this place culturally and come back into our own and truly know who we are and learn what it means to be Africans, although we're outside of Africa. Once we truly come to understand that in terms of our sensibilities, our perceptions, our concepts, our analyzation skills, uh, how, how we synthesize, how we speak, talk, act, and walk, all that has to be different from what we have been trained in this land. In terms of how we're going to treat one another, we got to understand what it means to be African. We got to love black people. And that's at, at the core of what it means to be African. I appreciate you, Baba Emotep. Um, so um, David Shanks asks, uh, what role does unity play in the equation, and will there be an attempt from the panelists to consolidate resources and efforts? Uh, unity is everything, and Afrocentricity Af uh, International, our, our motto is unity is our aim, victory is our destiny, right? But it's not unity for unity's sake, right? We can't be unifying with folks who are working uh, against our um, our uh, aims, our goals, and objectives, right? So um, Dr. Asante always says that consciousness precedes unity, right? So we have to be of uh, the same mind, right? The same uh, outlook as, as we look to build that unity. So I appreciate the question, brother. Um, and these panelists will be, I'll be passing their information to one another so they can stay connected um, and, and work towards uh, meaningful um, and, and uh, material transformations within our community. That being said, I'm going to give everybody here on the panel 45 seconds, closing words, tell the folks where they can find you, and please give them something practical um, they can do towards building Black power in your closing remarks. I'm going to start with our sister, Afia. Did I say your name right? right? Is it Afia or Afia? Afia. Afia, I'm, I apologize. I apologize, sister. All right, so, sister Afia, I'm, I'm going to let you lead us off. All right, give thanks. Uh, this has been a very, very good discussion. I give thanks for you all pulling this together. I, too, have been just absorbing everything. Um, I want to echo Baba Emotep. Um, culture is our immune system. And when we're talking about being very practical um, with the steps that we can take, instead of trying to recreate the wheel, for those of us that you have seen here, that have you, you've connected with and heard from, connect with us, learn more about what we're doing instead of trying to create something new if it's already aligned with you, right? So collaboration for liberation is a major, major piece. Um, my organization, we have been black, the Black Sustainability Network or African Sustainability Network, you'll see it used interchangeably. Um, we have been pulling together people from around the globe. Currently, we have around 
I think it's a little over 2,000 folks that have all left dogma at the door and are saying, yes, we actually want to move forward as a unified people, despite however else we express our spirituality, but we understand that we are one people. And when we're talking about practical steps for how we're going to own our own, if we want to leave, if we want to stay, whatever that looks like, honestly, people people are not able to actually remove themselves currently. And for those who do, or for those that want to leave, um, we've helped them along the way uh, with successful models. We've also been able to pull together a full list of sustainable, self-sufficient communities. What is coming does not beat a drum. So we also do not go out and tout it and just lay it up there for people. But for those who are actually excited and actually interested in learning more about how they can either join these communities, whether they are here, whether they are abroad, we have that as a resource. So please come connect with us, www.blacksustainabilitysummit.com. We have a network that is there. We welcome you all to join. It is free. We are all about how we can actually have practical steps for our people to achieve sovereignty. And that comes from just really learning those basic steps, whether that's going to be learning how to protect yourselves, whether you need to understand how to better educate yourselves, whether you want to learn how to grow your own food, whether you need to reconnect with your spirituality, whether in whatever spirituality path that is, it is not just a traditional African spiritual system. And so everybody has their opportunity to participate in a ring shout, if you will, um, for their own expression of themselves while still achieving that same common goal of sovereignty for whatever way that looks like, whether they are looking to stay here or whether they are looking to repatriate. And so I give thanks for this platform. I give thanks for you all allowing me to speak and to receive. I've learned so much about each of you all. And the biggest piece that we have is how can we collaborate with each other to achieve those same goals. So I'm looking forward to connecting with each of you. And I would encourage all the rest of the listeners to make sure that you reach out to hear about those who have already done this work and are doing this work. Check out our network. It really amplifies the voices of those that typically are not amplified. And a lot of other resources are there for us as a people. Give thanks. I say. All right, Brother Shamari, you can you you can help you can walk us down with our closing, Brother Shamari. I'll, I'll you can you can call on the next person. Right, so I'm going to remind everybody. I think he said 45 seconds. Let's respect that. I'm gonna call the same order that we began our introductions with. Um, so I'm ask if you're not speaking, please mute yourself because I hear background noise already. Um, I'm a, I'm gonna actually go to Baba Sekou last since we went to him first. I'm gonna go with Carl Tone Jones. <laughs> Uh, well, peace, um, family, and, you know, um, thanks to the esteemed panel. Um, this has been a tremendous experience, and uh, I look forward to building with a lot of you, you know, um, and linking and networking, because I think network, networking is one of the keys um, to fulfilling the, um, the, the oaths and, and fulfilling the destinies of our people. And I think we need to, while we're work, working on who we're fighting against, we need to remember who we're fighting for. You know, we're fighting for our people, the love of our people, and the love of our children. So, um, you know, my name is Professor Carl Tone Jones. Um, my website is blackindependence.org. My film is the Independence Day Project, which we asked two questions. What does an independent black community free of white supremacy look like to you um, for African people? And what, you know, do we have to do to build on that vision? All so, right. uh, thank you. Peace and black power. And I'm going to ask if you could type your information into the chat so everybody can have it, or if somebody types it for you, that would be cool as well. Let's go to uh, Dr. Tyreen. Uh, 
All right. Thank you. I enjoyed the panel. I just wanted to say really quickly, because I have a couple of points to hit. Uh, one, there's two struggles going on here. There's a struggle for power, the struggle, struggle for liberation. Everybody who's involved in this uh, engaging this idea or concept or even title of Black nationalism or Black nationalist is not in the struggle for liberation. Struggle for power. How do you know who's in what struggle? Struggle for power. When one sees this power, they use power in the same way as uh, capitalists or white supremacists use power to oppress their own. Okay, but when you're in the struggle for liberation, the power you seize has to be used for the purpose of liberation. And that's how we know who you are, how you deal with power. That being said, we're not all in the same struggle. And further, in terms of, you know, future for African people. Listen, let's be very clear. I I, I love Baba Sekou, but he knows I have to respectfully disagree in the sense that Africa can bear us, but it just can't be a Liberia. Okay, we can't do that again because our minds are messed up. The reality is, is this: Africa has the youngest population on the content on on the in the world. Africa has the fastest growing entrepreneurial markets. Africa has a concentration of the world's resources along the equator and in the Congo and the nine surrounding countries. The future belongs to Africa. America is not sustainable. Now, you can work it out here, but that isn't true Black nationalism, because unless you're going to fight for the franchise, you can't take this and hold this. So we're playing games with ourselves. Now, I've expatriated before and came back. So, so you know, you try and try again. But Africa can bear us. We need to have that conversation because that's the seed of our power. People who hate us have connected their carts to Africa, the Chinese and everybody else, because they know if they don't, they will not survive. So, okay? So we need to get build, our minds right with that. If people want to build with you moving forward, how do they reach out to you and your work? Dr. Wright 24 on Instagram. And I'm on Facebook, but you probably, I'm so insulated, you probably won't get to me unless you have a friend of a friend. Put this information into the chat so that everybody has okay. it. Brother Omawali can compile it. I appreciate All right. it. And, and you can message me privately and we can exchange information, those of you who uh, want to keep in touch. And don't don't forget, family, to make sure you at least share one practical step our folks can take towards building power. Mm-hmm. Tony Russell. Yes, sir. Um, first, I just want to say. Uh, I always dream to just be, you know, in conversation like this. And so uh, on a small, minute scale, this is a step, just being in community with one another. Um, I mean, I guess we do the organizational plug. I'm a membership director of an organization called the International Black Freedom Alliance. Or you can go to the IBFA.org. We're a pan-African group. We take black nationalists, Rastafari. We're not really on that. We just want to create a movement uh, for everybody that's black. Mm -hmm. So we believe that black people are smart enough, skilled enough, talented enough, resourceful enough, and resilient enough to get free on our own. So we don't need no outside help. If they help, that's cool, but we don't need that. And so I just tell everybody, if you're not a part of an organization, uh, join an organization. Um, if you don't see one in your town, go reach out to an elder or create a collective or a group and start studying, start growing some food, start helping the people, start helping your people. Um, really connect to people and build a movement. And that's step one. 
organize yourself, organize your family, organize your block, your hood, your barrio, your favela, and then create a movement with others. Peace. And uh, make sure you upload your contact information in the chat so we can compile it. Um, did you give it out for people? I don't know if I did, but I'm going to take this time to do it again. It's the IBFA.org. It's the International Black Freedom Alliance. So go to the International Black Freedom Alliance. Appreciate you. Let's go to Minister, Minister Rodney Muhammad. Yes. Um, in, in 2013, uh, Minister Louis Farrakhan offered a, a plan and challenge to the black world. Um, there were 16 million black folks constantly working according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Uh, with just 16 million of us, not even the whole 50 million, saving a nickel a day, 35 cents a week, came to $291 million a year. Um, there was a cotton, there was a cotton uh, farm that was uh, on sale for 34 million, uh, cattle ranch for 70 million to make uh, leather, all kind of leather things and beef in that. There was a there was a shoemaking factory for only one million out of Jamaica. These are just some of the, the. We have to do something on a big scale because the problem is massive now. Um, these are just some challenges where well-known people from various communities come together on an account, but we begin to do something massive to create work on a massive scale uh, and and productivity. Uh, I'll leave it at that, but uh, it, 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 is a, it is a good plan. It's an economic blueprint. We've already started. We have two farms now, and we're servicing several states with food. Uh, and, uh, we're trying to increase that. Yeah. How do people reach out and connect? Okay, I'll, I'll type it in. You can say it while you type in because people in the audience uh, want to get it right away. Muhammad, you can reach us uh, at MOS number 12, but right now, uh, you can reach us there. You can call 215-228-228-6044. I'm sorry. Right. Uh, and they'll, they'll get the message there. Uh, and you can, we can reach it because we still stop in the mosque. All right. Okay. Let's go. Let's sure. keep it flowing. Let's go to brother Oba. Again, practical step and how people reach out to you to connect with your work. Brother Oba, you still with us? Yes, sir. I'm with you. All right. Um, the way I look at it, uh, first of all, um, you know, I have great respect for all the panelists that were on um, this uh, Zoom um, um, broadcast tonight. I have a lot of respect for you all. And for those who uh, I pretty much uh, know, um, you know, um, we have to continue to support each other. And if we haven't supported each other as much as we should, then let us begin to do that tonight. Um, and I hope to reach out to all of you and um, continue to support your efforts and um, see how we can work together collectively. Um, I would just basically say that um, there is much work to be done um, yet and still. Uh, for us to um, be able to achieve um, um, the ultimate goal of sovereignty. I think that we all agree upon the need for Africans uh, to have um, 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 their own um, free space, uh, um, 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 land that we can call our own in the development of um, tribe, community, and nation. Um, you know, 
it, it's really basically like um, um what were you um, saying like, you didn't know hmm all right I, th- I think that I'm asking if you're not speaking if you can mute yourself and brother Oba I'm, I'm, I want you to jump in on how people reach out and stay connected with you ten, okay ten seconds, ten seconds brother Oba all right um you can reach me at African Independence Day uh, dot um, um, African Independence Day at gmail.com African spell A-F-R-A-K-A-N um, and you can also reach me at African um, Independence Day dot org which is our official uh, website um, and African is also spelled um, A-F-R-A-K-A-N um, Independence Day dot org so you can reach me there as well Thank you and, uh, Let's go to Empress Filet Hey, well, greetings. I want to thank everyone. Uh, this panel has been incredible, and big ups, of course, to Brother Omawali. Um, the MWM Universal Movements, of course, is geared specifically to our women and girls globally as now a global movement, but there are several other components that, of course, is for all of our people. That includes, of course, the Global AFCOM Village. We are now in the process of putting out various publications. You can now pre-order, of course, the 100 Amazing Facts about the Million Woman March. And what's coming up is one book known as the Maatic Epoch, as well as the new Philadelphia Negro. We have a philosophy that we now put out there, which is known uh, a practical unity. That's one of our theories. And with that, that brings us the Malcolm X Legacy Collective. That means right now we're in the midst of a major campaign. We charge genocide 21. You can go to www.cbpm.org. Again, cbpm.org and uh, or slash we charge genocide 21. Sign your name onto the letter of intent that will be taken to the United Nations. A million signatures to begin to tell United Nations we charge genocide 21, as Paul Robeson, William Patterson, and others did in 1951. And, of course, El Haj Malik attempted to do so right before his death. Lastly, of course, in regards to our political prisoners, certainly uh, we welcome our brother home, Jaleel Montague. And remember, every year, December 9th, Mumia Abu-Jamal. We don't know what the activity is yet, but certainly there will be one because there is one every year. Lastly, to keep in touch with us, our weekly broadcast has been on for 12 years, www.blogtalkradio.com slash Empress Chi every Saturday night at 10.30 p.m. The podcast call-in is 319-527-6189. It's also posted in the chat room. All right. Got a hot chat going on. So everybody keep posting your contact information. Bob M. Hotep, real quickly, uh, practical step and how people can reach you. Yeah, so um, at this point, I think one of the most practical things that we each could do is um, put forth a great effort to relearn who we are. Um, remembrance is the work that needs to be done. Um, I, I believe from my experience, a lot of the um, hiccups that we run into is based based in confusion. And I believe that confusion stems from the fact that we really don't know who we are, even though we have a bunch of information. We're not going deep enough. So I think the practical step is put yourself in a real process of remembering who you are by truly learning who you are and get involved in an authentic cultural revolution within yourself. Um, How to reach me? 
I, I did put my website in there, so what, which is www.plm95.org. That's plm95.org. You can go there and reach me through there, or you can find me on Facebook at um, Baba M Hotel. I'm always on Facebook trying to just put the word out there. You can connect there. And 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 the last thing I would like to say is that um, I, I sat quiet because I know we, we do a lot of panels. We do a lot of panels, y'all. But after the panel, we don't link up. We, we do not link up. You know, so I, I sat quiet because now it's, it's like, come on now. We got all this knowledge, all this information. We're so intelligent, but let's really link up. We got all this information over here. Let's see who take the initiative to pull us together and link up and start doing some serious work. Because we can't keep talking about what we need to do. It's time to do something. Appreciate the admonition, my brother. Yeah, that's right. It's that time. Let's make it happen. Let's go to Sister Natasha. All right. Um, uh, I just want to definitely say thank you um, to Brother Omawali. I did enjoy the panel as well. Um, the practical, practical, I would say, uh, like Brother Tommy said, connect with spirit. Anything that we're talking about, whether it's building in Africa, having our own country here, whatever you believe first, whatever you see, the mind comes first. So if that's what it is going to be, you can manifest that. So, but you have to connect back to spirit. Absolutely. And culture is our, one of our biggest weapons. Um, black families only, no interracial dating. I mean, like people confuse about that, but let's just reiterate only black people make black communities and black families and black nations. Organize and collaborate like all the brothers and sisters said before. Read, definitely read, read, read. Um, and um, just to mention um, one other thing, Jaleel Mutakim, who was released about two weeks ago, he was arrested recently. And they're trying to railroad him and put him back in prison. So we need to definitely support him. So, you know, I'm going to give Brother Amawali the information that, you know, he he can pass that around so we can make sure that, you know, they don't do what they're trying to do. Um, And you can reach me um, on Facebook um, and Natasha Robert. You can also um, find me on Elamu for Liberation, um, my education website that's launching um, next week. I'll put that also in the um, chat and also on Instagram at Natasha X. Appreciate it. Thank you. Better Tommy. Okay. Okay. Yo, shout out to Omawali and you, Brother Shamari, for this wonderful discussion. I really enjoyed it with everybody. So just real quick, um, let's have national pride. Let's have national pride, national pride, pride in the black nation. One of the big things is um, anti-national ideology. So they wanted to weaken our conception of ourselves as a distinct group of people. They want us to make us think now that we a feminine or we masculine or we LBTG or we this or we that. So let's have a strong black national consciousness and that strengthen that national consciousness. Last thing I would say is I just want to plug an initiative that many of us on this call is part of, and that's called the Diasporic Black Nationalist Coalition. So we actually want to have an organized force that's set up for action, right? Because different things for different stuff. The Diasporic Black Nationalist Coalition is calling for you all, come and join us. Let's build a coalition that has its aim to transform the community and really get to work. And then um, if you want to stay in touch with the Peace Park, check us out at www.peacepark.org, um, on Instagram, West Philly Peace Park, North Philly Peace Park. I love y'all. All praises due to God. Appreciate you. Let's go to Kim and Shockley. All right. Thanks, brother. And- uh, to you for hosting this, and thanks to Brother Omawale for inviting me. Um, I would just say, uh, in closing comments, know that we are, we as a group, 
um, are at this point really practicing a culture that's alien to us, and it's the culture of our enemy. Uh, I would say is a practical solution, uh, read up and engage in the process of re-Africanization and consider incorporating at least some or all aspects of an African culture into our personal lives. Get clear on who our enemy is and do whatever you can to defeat the enemy. Uh, I'll put my email address in here. Uh, and thank you so much again. I really enjoyed the panel. And everybody have a good night. Appreciate you. Let's go to Slovenia. Uh, thank you again to all the panelists and to Brother Mawale. Um, I want to say, because the question was, you know, what can we do where we are? For those of us who are saying, okay, you know what, we're here, we're going to do what we can, look into the Maroon Societies. Like, I challenge everyone to really look into what has been done and what continues to be done so we can see what our future brings. So if you're here and you're saying, you know what, I'm going to fight for those who may not want to leave or don't know where to go, look into the Maroon Society. Secondly, I'm going to give you examples, not of me. I'm going to give you real examples. Our brother, George Jackson, he organized inside of the prisons. So when we say we can't organize or how do we organize or what do we do? You had a brother who organized inside of the prison and not just organized. We forget that mobilization part. He organized and mobilized. Then you have a brother, Jojo Bowen, right? And I'm mentioning our political prisoners for a reason, right? Our brother, Jojo Bowen, continued to organize and mobilize, right? He set his own, he, he manifested things, he set his own goals and he continues to build and not let anybody stand in the way. So um, that, that's what I put out, that's my challenge. I challenge us to research those who have been successful um, where they are, who continue to work, who continue to organize and mobilize. Um, you can reach me at, oh, I'm sorry, the practical steps. The practical step would be start growing your own food, right? We've seen what happened once COVID came, markets got shut down, et cetera, et cetera. That is how you start taking some of your power, some of your control. Start growing your own food and growing with others, right? And then the other thing is create community check-ins, community wellness check-ins, but do not, please don't do trauma bonding. That is why we continue to be victims. Remove that part out of it, but do the wellness check-ins. You can reach me um, at the North Philly Peace Park. Like all of that information is already in the bottom. So Appreciate thank you, it. everyone. Thank you. I think um, Omawali started out with Sister Afia, but I'm going to make sure that I don't skip her. So if she wants to uh, weigh in real quick again. Greetings. Yes, I, I did. I was able to... Um, to give my reflections earlier. Mm -hmm. I'll just I'll just echo um, a lot of what was shared. If you all do need videos or how-to steps, a lot of that information has been archived. We've gotten up Palin Carrolls, the Maroons. We got people in Haiti. Um, we have people that have just come from around the globe that have shared that knowledge and wisdom with us, how-to steps that we've recorded and we have available for free on our website for our people. So all of these steps that each one of my co-presenters is asking you all to take, a lot of that information has already been curated and is on our website for free currently. So I would encourage you all to take take that time and take those steps at that point. Uh, and the website is blacksustainabilitysummit.com. Again, it's blacksustainabilitysummit.com. Um, and you all can 
have free access to all that information. We need those steps. We have it. We've curated it so that it doesn't die, so that it doesn't go. We know that when an elder makes their transition or dies, however you want to conceptualize that uh, moving through and transitioning, an entire library burns down. So in addition to preserving our physical books, we need to make sure that we are sitting at the feet of our elders and that our elders are actually passing the baton and that we're exchanging that knowledge and wisdom with each other. And that's what we've done um, as a result of bringing together people of different paths, um, but all committed toward African liberation of BB4DA, all of those things. So I would just encourage you all to visit BlackSustainabilitySummit.com, watch the videos that you're interested in, and how to take those next steps. Thank you for that. And uh, last but certainly not least is Baba Sekou. And I remember earlier that uh, Brother Omarali said that he gets as long as he wanted to and I didn't want to be the one interrupting. So I, I put him on last. And Baba, you get to offer us closing closing words. Uh, Baba Omarali, I mean, I'm also going to remind you if you can to save that chat so that everybody can get all this wonderful information that's been in the chat. Baba Sekou, it's, it's on you. Oh, peace, peace. Uh, first of all, let me thank uh, Brother Oberwally and those who helped pull this here together. Uh, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it, especially let me thank all the panel, the panelists who spoke it and given, their, uh, given us all this good information. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate it all. I want to shout out to V. That's my girl. Uh, and a, a special thanks to uh, Brother Tommy and, and the, the Minister Rodney, who uh, reminded us not to forget uh, Allah, not to forget God. We have to have Him in the mix. It, it, if we're going to be successful, we can't forget the Creator. We must have the Creator involved in this. Uh, and to Brother Baba, let me just say that, yeah. I, I totally agree with you about the culture. I think that was one of the first things I said that uh, we need a cultural revolution. To, uh, uh, so uh, to everybody, I've really enjoyed this year, uh, 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 this panel and our discussion, our conversation. Uh, I wanted to, uh, as a practical thing, remember our political principles. We must remember those who have fought for us already. We have brothers in the joint that's been there 30, 40, 50 years. Brother, uh, 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 we got a brother out in California. Uh, I'm having a, a brain lock on his name right now, who's been, been in prison since 1969. Uh, that's what, uh, Chip, his name is Chip Fitzgerald. Yeah, that's who it is. Uh, uh, Brother Baranza been in there over 40 years. Brother uh, Sudiata Coley been in there over 40 years. Uh, we have so many brothers. That I, I'm not, I can't think of all of them names right off, but don't forget our political prisoners. You know, write to them. Uh, send, send some money to their their uh, uh, their committees or to their families or to them personally. Uh, reach out. You can go to uh, Northeast Political Prisoner Coalition and, and look up some of their names. You can go to uh, the Jericho Movement.com, who you can learn a lot from uh, them about our political prisoners. Uh, so, uh, as a 
as a practical thing, that's what I would would hope that we would all remember that we can't forget our political prisoners. So, uh, from there, I'm going to let it go. I'm, and thank everybody again. I really enjoyed everybody. You can uh, you can contact me through a Northeast Political Prisoner uh, Coalition uh, at gmail.com. Freedom all. Uh, freedom all. All power to the you, Baba. And I'm going to encourage everybody to save that chat. What I'm going to do is throw it to Sister Zakia, who will be moderating the conversation tomorrow to give us a little before, bit of a tease. Before, before you do that, uh, uh, Baba Shamari, um, I want to thank you uh, for being a, a fantastic um, moderator and facilitating and lubricating this conversation today. I'm telling you, it's very hard. It's, it's, it's hard to say hold your peace, man, and moderate, but you know, I made it through. So, <laughs> any any one of the people on this at this roundtable could have given their own three hour symposium in their own right because all these people do work, have done work, and continue. Uh, to work on behalf of our people. So I, I know that this was to have 12 people to facilitate. That was a lot of work. Actually, 13. Everybody did wonderful, though, man. That, that was know. a lot of work. So um, if you have anything closing to say, Brother Shamari, before I introduce our, our moderator for tomorrow, I'll, I'll give you 45 seconds here to go ahead and, and say what you need to say and get, give what you need to give. I'm a, no, I'm just excited about, uh, number one, you pulling this together and the spirit of Bob M. Hotep, but I firmly believe we will carry it forward. I believe that one of the things we can do right away is really do what Baba uh, Sekou recommended. As we can, with this audience we have right now, really begin to focus our energy on standing on behalf of and with support of the brothers and sisters who have, by their work, laid it down on our behalf. I am concerned that we let uh, the movement for our political prisoners become a movement that other people, white liberals and others, have come to the front of on front of on our behalf. We need to make the freeing of our political prisoners a black power, black nationalist movement again, and not let other people. White liberals, white progressives be at the forefront of that movement. We need to free our prisoners. So that's where I would land. I appreciate this, man. Looking forward to tomorrow. I appreciate you, um, Brother Shamari. And uh, Sister Zakia, your, your voice will be the last voice uh, heard tonight. But just before I say that, um, Baba Emotep, I want you to know when I called you and we spoke on the phone, I, I called you for a reason. I said that your voice is probably one of the most powerful voices in our generation. So I wanted you to uh, be at this table because I do think you have a powerful voice in the work that you're doing to pull together the grassroots community where you are in Baltimore should be commended. Um, and Brother Shamari, when we sat down and strategized this, we said that this can't be a talk. Like after this, we have to point to how we are coming together. So just to throw it out there, Brother Tommy and I, from this summer, we already started to have discussions about 2021. How do we use this vehicle of a diasporic black nationalist coalition to bring us together in person for real symposium where we develop solutions, agenda that we can move forward, regardless of what you're doing on your organizational uh, front as your own, you know, as your own organizational entity. When we come together, there are things that we can share uh, resources, right? Because, you know, this, this, this movement, we, we, we burden when it comes to resources, whether it be finances, people, energy, spirit, so we got to find a way to collectivize that which we have so that we can better work as a people, regardless of if I'm in Philly, you in Baltimore, 
you in Ferguson, you in Atlanta, it doesn't matter. Y'all in New York, we got to figure out how to bring this thing together. And that's what remaking black power is all about, right? If we're going to remake it, we got to reconstitute and they got to be built on strength. They got to be built on principles. We need a solid foundation. So like, I don't want nobody to think that this is just something where we come together and talk and pontificate. That's why I say, I don't want no preachers here. I want the people who are here qualified themselves to be here based upon the work that they do or the, the work that they have done. So that's what we need to see going forward. So I want to thank everybody who showed out today. We only gave y'all a teaser of the documentary, but you'll see the full thing tomorrow. But I want to welcome our moderator who will be moderating our panel tomorrow where we, we will have another 12 brothers and sisters. And we made sure sisters had a presence here, but we'll have another 12 brothers and sisters who will uh, be uh, on tomorrow's Black Power Roundtable. So sisters, Ikea, you can go ahead and introduce yourself and close us out. Peace, everybody. I truly enjoyed this. Um, definitely looking to stay connected to everybody here. Uh, some of you I've already tried to follow you on social media, so uh, you probably got a friend request or a follow request from me. Um, earlier on, I was listening to uh, Brother Komet and I, um, Dr. Komet, and I really connected with him because I, my, my organization and work has been in education, and African-centered education is something that extremely that's extremely important to me uh, and my husband. So looking forward to tomorrow. I'm looking forward to moderating. I uh, hope I do um, as good a job as Brother Shamari. Somebody playing with us. <laughs> and, uh, All right, you freeze so, Can y'all hear me? Is everybody frozen or is it just me? Uh, I think you should. Yeah, I think she, it's she, she fine. I think it's you. We can hear you, though. Yeah, she was rolling, bro. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I can so hear you, just, though. Was it just me? Was yeah, it, I think I, it was just you. Yeah, actually, it's you mute. She can continue rolling. She was doing right. fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm just about done. But um, I just, I, I see a few connections. Uh, Bob Emotep is in uh, Baltimore. I'm in Silver Spring. So love to um, connect with you at some point. Um, just oh, down yeah. the road. 45 minutes and uh brother tory good to see you and others you know sister lavina i think i was on a panel with you uh last year with brother omawali so um and really love dr tareen right i my husband and i have been thinking about like repatriating too like i'm i'm elf america at this point <laughs> um, but that's just my that's just me so i was really rocking with you um but anyway, I'm looking forward. Hopefully, all of y'all will come back tomorrow, right? And um, looking forward to the conversation. Um, obviously, you know, uh, certainly not, you know, last but not least, but honest to you, Baba Sekou, obviously, I've read a lot about you uh, and other political prisoners. And, um, you know, just thank you, you know, Madasi, um, for everything that you've done for us as uh, Black people in America, and I appreciate you. So that's it for me. I hopefully see y'all tomorrow. All right, family, that's going to be the last word for tonight. All of our panelists, I'll send you all a, a complimentary uh, um, access to tomorrow's. Um, you all can come in as attendees, but it'll be a powerful thing tomorrow. And we'll show the, the remainder of the documentary tomorrow as well. But Asante Sana for everybody um, for coming up. That's my that's my two year old in the back. <laughs> that's my baby girl in the background. But um Asante Sana for everybody uh, for coming out tonight and look forward to seeing y'all tomorrow at 5 p.m. All right, peace.